Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. What is good, everybody? Um, ben, what episode number are we on? I forgot to ask you. 158. 158, presented by Cosmic TG. Go check out all your needs at CosmicTG.com. Um, Cosmic was a huge supporter of the MVP Open this year. They ran an incredible, incredible glow event that they ran, I think, almost every single night during the MVP Open. Everyone was saying how spectacular it was. Um, so Cosmic DG, back in the past, we used to talk about kind of creating the Cosmic Vibes. I was talking to Dave, the owner of it, and he was like, man, those were the Cosmic Vibes that we had at those glow events. I know Tanner, uh, Matt's son, got his first ace ever at one of these events. Let's go. So many cool things. Go ahead, bring up Evan. We got Evan in studio as well. Um, so many cool things happening hey, at those glow events. And Ben got brought up as well. So Ben's already off to a rough start, not doing what I say. So we'll uh, kind of go from there. If you, everybody has noticed, um, I'm sitting in a different seat. Ben is sitting in a different seat. I'm in Matt's seat. He's actually in Matt's seat. I'm in Ben's seat, but I got the green screen, so it looks like I'm in Matt's seat. But that begs the question of where is Matt? And to be brutally honest, I actually don't 100% know where he is. He's uh, traveling, though, for work. So I don't either. <laughs> honestly, I totally forget where he said he was going to this weekend. He for sure told us and yeah. for sure went out, one, yeah. came in one year, out the other. Exactly. So probably Wisconsin, work. probably Michigan, maybe one of those areas. If yeah, you're a local disc golfer out there, South. hit him up and maybe he'll like uh, be Memphis in your area. Yeah, maybe Memphis. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, we have a pretty relaxing episode going on tonight normally we are a pretty interview heavy podcast we actually are going to do one interview later i'll let evan talk about the guy that we have coming on a little bit more um since it was kind of evan's idea to bring him on as well and um but other than that we don't have any we don't have any players on we have a lot of really cool things kind of dealing with one of the players in the off season but that's going to be talked about later on once kind of the season wraps up anyways so we are actually just going to be a podcast tonight and talk about tons of stuff going on in disc golf right now i think over the last two weeks there's been an insane amount of things happening we just had an fpo major and we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about idgc because we have so much incredible news going on with idgc when i say incredible i think i mean incredibly sad news happening with idgc the international disc golf center it is where the pdga headquarters is um We've got throw pink stuff coming up, USCGC. We're going to talk about US Women's CGC. I mean, we have a pretty jam-packed episode of talking about disc golf. And like I said, we're just going to actually talk about it and give some hopefully hot takes. Maybe I'll maybe I'll leak our group chat and just talk about Matt's hot takes and my Dude, hot takes going Ooh. back and forth. Evan's Twitter Matt? bio... Evan Silver Bio says medium takes on it. That is the <laughs> falsest thing. You are the hottest yeah. taker I've ever heard in my life. Like, change that Twitter bio tonight. So I, I appreciate it, Ben. Yeah. But, you know, I think they're pretty medium. I'm not that hot of takes. I Dude. mean, this show is probably where I get the hottest. Yeah, um, probably because of the show. Well, yeah, it, it, it was Matt just go Like, I don't even know what I was doing. I was busy doing something. You're driving. Nick, yeah. Or just, that's what it was. You're driving home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and Matt's just like boom, 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 and Nick's like coming with questions back. It was I haven't even, to be honest, I haven't even read it yet. Yeah, like, it's tough. When yesterday. you guys go off, I'm just like, oh, and read the text and then goodbye. Don't don't actually long. read it. Yeah, but yeah, at the top of the hour, I don't know if we discussed uh, <laughs> kind of chaotic here. I don't know if we discussed the exact time. Jesse will be on at the top of the hour at 8 p.m. Uh, he writes, uh, he writes for Ulti World. He does a few other 
uh, things, but he is probably most well known for putting together the fandom survey. Um, it it was last year. I, I believe last year was the first year, at least the first year as big as it is. Um, and it's back again this year. It's probably been out for a little over a month now. Uh, Jesse's going to tell us uh, how it's looking, what kind of questions on there. If you haven't filled it out, how much longer you have. Uh, we'll get onto all of that later. And Nick, you said it was going to be a relaxed show. I know you meant it as interviews, but I do want to be clear. This is going to be exciting for all the insane things that happen. I mean, U.S. Oh, women's yeah. and just the long list of Kristen Tatar's uh, accolades that she earned. Mm-hmm. Like we could talk for hours just on those. Yep. Um, but if you guys are all right with it, let's hop right into U.S. women's. I'm not all right with uh, it because I'm just going to brag about all of our weekends really quick. Um, OK, OK. We'll because, do that you know, first. we always kind of start the show with, you know, how'd your weekend go? And fortunately, we actually all pretty much did the same thing this weekend was we went out to the Red Sox game on Saturday. Our boy Dylan Cease was pitching for the White Sox that day, and he was four strikeouts away from hitting 200 strikeouts on the year, which is an incredible thing in and of itself. But he's also now the third pitcher in White Sox history to do it three straight seasons. Um, which in history, like the White it, Sox have been around. I yeah, think we're talking like since, since the 1800s. Yeah, we're talking. I think they early days. like 1898 or something. Yeah, I think the owner has oh, also geez. been around from the 1800s. So really, <laughs> oh I'm just kidding. I was about to say what? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He's just an old guy. Anyways, um, so we got to go see Dylan Cease pitch. I had to leave, um, but you guys had the rare treat and I think kind of awesome opportunity to actually walk a little bit onto Fenway Park. Say hi to Dylan. His brother was there. A couple of the guys, or maybe just one of the guys from the landscaping crew that is helping out Dylan at his Cactus Rock course out in Alabama. So how was that experience? I mean, just being able to get onto the field for a little bit. It was, for me, it was kind of hectic. There's like Fenway employees yelling at other people to get out of stadium. So I felt a little like weird and they were like, get off the field we're, we're doing work here or something so i didn't really get to experience the full grandeur of the stadium because i was just like feeling rushed and kind of like i didn't know what to do but yeah uh meeting dylan was cool um believe it or not he's like a normal dude <laughs> like like the rest of everyone so it wasn't anything a big deal we we got a picture with him we said thanks and uh went on our way and then yeah we talked with uh nigel and his brother alec uh, more than Dylan because Dylan had probably 20 people on the field to see him. Yeah. Yeah. A ton <laughs> yeah. of Dylan's friends and were there and family. The weather in New England was just not fun this, this weekend. weekend. It was like high of 64 yeah. and just raining the whole weekend. We're, we're lucky that that game got in. Nick, you went back to Fenway on Sunday. I did. I went back to, Sen- I went back to finish. Fenway on Sunday. And the reason being is because I was pretty jealous that you guys all got to say hi to Dylan and I didn't. We were just texting after the game and kind of during the game when he was done pitching and um, what's called. So I went back on Sunday and because tickets to go to Red Sox game this late in the season when they're not making the postseason, I think it cost me $19 to get a ticket. It was like $3 to park at the T station. That's more expensive than I thought. I was thinking cheaper. I mean, I also purposely looked for grandstand seats because there was no way I was sitting in the rain. And I know I probably (laughs) could have bought a cheaper ticket and just walked over. But, you know, I tried to follow the rules a little bit. Um, anyways, so I actually went back on Sunday to the game. White Sox were leading two to one, and then they actually had a rain delay and ended up calling the game. So Evan just, you know, mentioned earlier, notified me that the White Sox did technically still win that game because they played after yeah. a certain it, inning. Which it was I essentially like 
in disc golf if you get through 13 holes and yeah. then it then the ends and it's counts. officially a rated round and yeah I, I don't know if that's like the is that the pdj threshold or just a rating threshold i forget exactly but <laughs> i got no idea it's essentially that yeah. where the round still counts as normal uh even yeah. though the game didn't finish um so. but yeah so i got to yeah. quickly quickly say hi to dylan uh talk for a few minutes just about some other stuff going on in the disc golf world but saturday night i had to ditch reason being I went and saw my favorite musician in the world, Billy Joel. Uh, Todd, earlier you asked how long the concert was. I think Billy Joel played for about two to two and a half hours. So it was incredible. In the rain. In the rain. Yep. Me and my mom were, uh, we were just chilling there with our ponchos, raincoats, you know, pants and everything like that, rain pants, and uh, having just the most absolute incredible time being able to see someone who, you know, I looked up to as a piano player and songwriter, and I'm not a singer whatsoever. I mean, I'm jealous of people that can sing, but I can I can play the piano pretty well. And so being able to grow up and learn Billy Joel songs was a pretty awesome thing. And then actually hearing Billy Joel live in person play those same songs that I just have such a fun time playing on the piano was really, really spectacular. And to be honest, for being in his 70s, I would say probably mid to late 70s at this point, he sounded awesome. Uh, Stevie Nicks was there as well, and she sounded just like Stevie Nicks does, but she played her, you know, favorite songs that are out there. And uh, but no, it was incredible. So it was very well worth ditching the White Sox game for that. But uh, anyways, that's pretty much how our weekends that, went. Each their own. Yeah, exactly. Allentown. Yeah. Allentown. That's one of my favorite ones. Matt, we can hear you. Can you hear us? Well, the the live can't hear him. Do you want to go live, Matt? The live can't. I hear think you. we're about to go live with Matt Graham. He is the uh, other half in the Nick and Matt show, and he's traveling Nobody? somewhere, some way. Oh. He's not Matty has podcast promo <laughs> like Matt Graham. Yeah, exactly. He cannot be left out of an episode. So, Matt, we brought you in. Hold How on. are you? Give me a second. Oh, we haven't brought you in yet. Wait, is he if on camera or just yeah, I think I think I accidentally put him in, in second guest one instead of uh, gotcha. Just keep talking. I'll, I'll well, anyways, um, Evan, you might as well start this up with U.S. Women's happened this weekend. We're gonna cut you off when Matt comes in, but you might as well start talking about it. I mean, everyone's gotta know by now that Kristen Tatar takes down the win. Uh, her fourth major win of the year. That's the Grand Slam, as people call it, winning all the majors offered in a season. Uh, it's the first time we've ever seen an FBO player win all four majors in a single season and get this uh, so-called Grand Slam. Uh, of course, people are going to talk about the past. Juliana Corver winning two of two in 99. I mean, the world's winner before that, technically sweeping the majors because it was the only one that happened. But uh, I'm not going to say modern era. Because uh, Paul Macbeth had some words about that, and it's not quite <laughs> defined. Exactly. Um, but uh, in our current setup of majors, it's definitely the first time we've seen a Grand Slam in FPO. Uh, in MPO, we've only seen it once before, and that was Paul Macbeth in 2015, where he won five of five. Uh, and in FPO, we've seen a few get close. Valerie Jenkins won four in 2008 but there was five offered just like paul Macbeth in 2015 when he won uh she did not win uh well, it was the fourth major of the year but she only won she didn't win all five so she was not a grand slam uh, also in 2017 we saw Paige pierce win three of three that she played uh she did miss out on european open she didn't travel over to europe so that was the only major she missed that mm -hmm. season but still didn't get the grand slam so tatar is the first to do it at this stage with this win, she also hits $100,000 of PDGA earnings. Uh, it's kind of funny because you need to count the doubles match at Worlds exactly. uh, to have it hit that. But 
Uh, all things considered, it's still PDGA earnings. It's not single stroke play earnings. Uh, all depends on how you clarify it. But she is the first player to do it in 2023. Last year, we saw her technically be the first player to do it at the same event as Ricky Wysocki, Paul McBeth did it later on in the season. So those three players are the only players to ever earn $100,000 cash in a season. Tatar is the only one of those three to do it this year as well. She is the first to do it in back-to-back season. She is the first to do it twice in PDGA history. Man or woman, it doesn't matter. The uh, clarification there, she is the first. Very cool to see. Uh, how's Matt looking, or do you guys have any uh, any thoughts? Matt's looking on... good, real good, but uh, we're working on it. All right, you're still working on it? Yeah, he, uh, he joined the wrong link. Okay, cool. Then I'll kind of jump in and just say how... I think incredible that milestone is back-to-back years of $100,000 or more, which it obviously will end up being a decent amount more. Um, to be the first player ever to do that, and like you said, whether it's MPO or FPO, I think one of the biggest things that we see in disc golf is the different amount of money in each purse. But we've seen such dominance out of Chris in the last two years that for her to hit that 100000 mark is really um, just a testament of how well she's playing over the last two years, the consistency. And this is something Matt and I were talking about the other day is, you know, I'm here to defend yeah, it. You're here to defend it, but it's kind of like, is it boring to watch Kristen Tatar win so much or is she winning in boring oh, fashion no. or anything That's like what that? It was about. Exactly. Um, so it was kind of, it was kind of, I'm in the airport. Can yeah. you hear me? Yep. We can hear you. All right. Yes. Walking through the Detroit airport. Yep. I have another 20 something gates to walk and I'm glad you brought it up, Nick. I can't take anything away from Kristen Tatar. Like absolutely cannot. She did what she was dealt. She plays at a super consistent level. Even when she's playing bad. Did you see her post today? She mm-hmm. like was apologizing. Not, not quite apologizing, but she was like, Hey, the round did not go my yeah. way and I won. And it's like, I got to be a little soft here, but the field is not pressuring her enough. Like, they have their opportunities. She's not playing at her highest level in that event, and it just wasn't enough. Like, uh, they start missing cuts. Um, Own Scoggins starts making her push. Again, we should make this about Kristen. She did something excellent, amazing, but... You just want to see those clutch moments have to, like, I, I brought up to you, Nick, mm-hmm. go back to Paul McBeth's worlds, like, uh, not obviously this year, but the year before, hole 17, out at Country Club, that moment, right? Now, mm-hmm. Kristen can't buy those moments, but, like, you want to see that in a competitor. And, like, at this point, I feel like I just see Kristen walking them in. And so from the fans' perspective, I'm happy for her, but it's kind of boring to continue to watch this. Who's going to be her Who's going to be her challenger? That's all I'll say. And, and I don't yeah. know who that's going to be. Is she going to do this forever? Well, hey, I'll jump in and I'll say, you want to know who her challenger is? You have to know, look, look no further than literally the weekend before this one at the MVP <laughs> Open where Owen was neck and neck with her and Haley beat her outright. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... That was it. It wasn't at a major. The majors, each of the final rounds have felt a little bit like Kristen's walking in, at least by the final round or by the final few holes. Uh, Champions Cup and European Open were blowouts, maybe the whole entire tournament. Uh, But if you look at other elite events, there's a lot of um, 
moments where I feel like Kristen really needed to go out and win it or uh, do something big to like finalize it. Like even Waco where it might've felt like uh, she didn't deserve to win it. I say with that performance on whole 18, that putt to seal it. I think it's not a quite that, a Paul Macbeth on whole 17, at country club, yeah. but that is a big moment and a yeah. big putt to hit hit to say, Hey, this is the win. I didn't have to lay up in 18. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to, play soft the final three holes i won it with that putt i think that's something matt was talking about in our group chat was can you name a moment and off the top of my head as i'm trying to figure out all this i think i was writing the t at the time or i was still at the stadium i forget but um you bring up a great point with waco on hole 18 ella had thrown out of bounds Kristen was putting i think it was for par but it was also for the win from about 33 feet literally on circle's edge and hearted the putt and I think that's yeah, a huge clutch wind, moment because, yeah, with the wind, the, the water's water. on your left-hand side. She misses that left. It has potential chance of rolling in with the wind. She did make that putt. That right there is a clutch moment. Now, you can say there are different clutch moments. No way. No way. I, I'm going to get on a plane here in a minute, and you guys can talk all over how bad my take is. We but sure will. You're, you're trying to make up what clutch means. How is that you not a clutch putt? How did how, you how is that not a clutch putt? clutch. No. It might not be as big of clutch as you could ever get. But Matt, it's not I'm, I'm genuinely clear. So like, it's how, is her, how, is her putting, how is her putting for the win and making that putt not a clutch putt? Then correct me if I'm wrong. She had to make that putt to win or she could have laid up. No, she had to make that putt to win. I think with if she if she had laid it up, Ella it goes to her putt. Yeah, if she goes to which Ella may not have, but you don't know that at yeah. the time. That's, okay. So, so that's her big clutch moment. That's it. So far. I mean, I, okay. Matt, I agree with your point that we don't feel like we see as many as we should for how good she is, um, which obviously is not a knock on Kristen. I know that's not your point. This is my um, point. It's not a knock on her. She can't like it's not that she can manufacture this. It's not her fault. I guess as a fan and as someone who's trying to stir up a little drama here, <laughs> like, don't we want to see these moments? What if she becomes that dominant? Like where this is just always happening which right now we've had a little parody. That's nice. But if it became this way, would you agree? And there are people that are going to disagree with this hundred percent that it would be boring. Uh, let's go back to Tom Brady days. Granted, I was a big fan. A lot of people weren't even, I started getting bored of it and I text my friends. I'd be like, it's kind of boring. Like we're always just going to the Super Bowl. That sounds like a, uh, spoiled like sports fan. And it absolutely so was, but that's is this you zooming out. Is, is this you zooming out or the actual golf or football that you're watching? Like I, I would very much argue like the pay, like I'm going to go Patriots here. If you watch the actual football of the Patriots during their peak dynasty, that football was not boring. But when you zoom out to the overall uh, emotions to it, the overall feel of the season, if you're just checking scores, it might seem boring. And that might be what's happening with uh, nobody wanted here to- at us women's. Yeah. She was missing that. lines. If you were just checking scores, you're like, oh, this is so boring. Like, Kristen's <laughs> clearly going to win this. If you were watching, there was there was doubt for a while, maybe until like hole 16. Yes. There was yes. some sense of doubt. <laughs> I agree with that. And I actually, for a moment, was like, yes, we're actually going to get to see, you know, and this, again, sounds like a hot take, but see what Kristen's made of because she's now she, in the first five holes or whatever it was, she's down or tied. But just to go back to your point, even the sports world, was like, come on, send anybody else to the Super Bowl besides the Patriots. And it's not because they didn't think the Patriots deserved it, although that's a storyline. Some of it is like, we just are sick of it. And now I'm not sick of Kristen yet, 
but I want to see these people rise up and actually challenge her and make her have to do something extraordinary to win. And that's not hers to decide. I get that. So that's not fair to put that on her. But as a fan, I want to see more. Yeah. And I think we were talking about this in the chat is kind of, you know, swinging both ways with it. But, you know, like Anthony had said, uh, her clutch moments happen early in the tournament. That is actually something that I did say to Matt as well is like, Kristen making a 45 footer to have a two stroke swing on a hole. That is technically a clutch moment. That's a big putt for her to make. Now I understand it's not the same kind of clutch moment as her hitting a putt to win a tournament or on 17 of the final round, her to gain a stroke like that. Michael Jordan hitting a shot at the end of the buzzer, Edelman catching an incredible cast, anything like that. I understand that. Excuse me, I'm going to say catch. But I mean, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, we see such dominance out of Kristen that when someone like Haley who's an incredible FPO player. She was the reigning U.S. Women's Disc Golf Championship um, champion. When we see her win MVP, it's just that much more incredible in a sense because she took down Tatar. Um, I think you can kind of say that with the Patriots season where we were undefeated when it didn't matter and we lost in the one game that it did matter. Um, everyone was so happy that the Giants won that because it took away from the Patriots having the undefeated 17-0 season. Um, so, I, I mean, there's a, there's a ton of storylines that can kind of go along with that. Um, I personally think watching what Kristen is doing, I think is better for the sport right now in the future of the FPO division than what other options there could be like her playing so well and so consistent and showing that, Hey, like Kristen's made more money than every single MPO player this year so far. And she's doing that on the FPO side where we can talk about the purses are a little bit smaller at a majority of the events, but she's still made more money because she is playing so well right now. And that you can look at FPO players rising. I mean, what they say? There's 300 plus people at the U United States Women's Disc Golf Championship, like all these amateur divisions and all these, you know, FJ 12 and 10 and eight, whatever. All these people are now rising up, seeing what Kristen is doing, seeing if I practice like her, I can become her kind of thing and then we're going to see this happen you know maybe in the next 10 years maybe we'll have a lot more parody but for right now i think it's incredible watching kind of the dominance that Kristen is handing out sure and like i said i can't take away the hand that she's dealt the effort she puts in to be as consistent as she is that needs to be the headline but because she's winning everything you got to bring a different storyline mm -hmm. every now and then and like mine is it, when you actually just bring it down to the raw level of entertainment aspect, which would you rather see? And maybe right now, Nick, to your point, this is what you want to see. Mm -hmm. I, I just feel like seeing Henna have those moments where it's like Henna, and, and I was, I, I feel bad, but Henna, this was this was your moment. Like mm -hmm. you were in the driver's seat and you missed like seven inside of twenty feet. Now, that's not Kristen's fault, mm -hmm. but like you see these opportunities to push and to see this great. Um, competition take place and some can say it was amazing it was great yeah I just felt this is me after whole whatever it was Evan you're right I think it was like 10 or somewhere in that range I just became so bored that was just again maybe I'm not a fan of the sport <laughs> <laughs> no I wouldn't go as far to say that but I think it's also this is you know Kristen playing so well this is up to the other females in her division to kind of get onto her level and create moments where you can kind of turn this around and say, okay, Hannah missed these circles the last, or excuse me, missed these putts inside of the circle the last round. Okay, we don't see right now Hannah having that clutch gene that she needs to have. Mm -hmm. You know, if she made five mm -hmm. of those putts or four of those putts, you might think, okay, 
Hannah, Hannah's got that clutch. Like she took down Tatar because she made that putt on hole 12 of the final round. Absolutely. But it's not Kristen's oh. fault in the sense that Hannah missed those. No, putts. absolutely not. I mean, it kind of is because not. she's and playing want, so well. Don't get me wrong. But and I want yeah. Kristen. I want Kristen. Yeah. As I'm a fan of Kristen. Like I want Kristen to win. I'm just saying yeah. like at the end of it all, you want the, you want the bigger excitement as a fan. This was probably a horrible yeah. topic because there's nothing that can be done about it. There's nothing that can be done. Exactly. About it. Hindsight 2020. I mean, we would, it, yeah. yeah. We would love to see the, you know, greatest spectacle of this going down to 18. We would love to see maybe a playoff happen in the division. I get it, but we, we have no control of that whatsoever. That's just sports right there for you is that we do have no control over it. I mean, Look at how incredible watching Tom Brady and the Patriots come back from 28 to three against the Atlanta Falcons. Like that was absolutely sick. But was it the year before the year after whenever it was where we played the chargers in the Super Bowl and we won like 13 to three. And that was the most boring game in the world. I mean, it was still incredible chargers in the Super Bowl. What's that? I'm sorry. The, um, who was it? Who am I thinking of? I don't think any Super Bowl was really, Oh, the Rams, the Rams. Rams. That's that's, that's who I was talking about. The Rams. Sorry. Los Angeles, the right? Rams, it went down to the. It still went down to the end. It wasn't until like the final few minutes. But I get your point. It was yeah. a defensive battle. It was a defensive and they battle. They were doing which, nothing on offense. Exactly. Which, as a so, sports yeah. person, you want to see. You know, if I'm watching a Celtics game, I want to see them put up 120 points, and I want to see great offense. I want to see dunks. I want to see three pointers and all these things. It's just tough because she's playing so incredibly well in disc golf for Kristen Tatar, who I'm jumping back onto now. That it's just awesome, awesome to see in that idea of it. But yeah, when it comes to the raw enjoyment of sports in and of itself, I mean, I can see why people would say it is quote unquote boring, but yeah, I'm using her as the storyline, mm-hmm. but I want to be very clear. I'm not trying to make this about Kristen. Like it's not, this is the storyline that I'm making right now. There's this segment is not about Kristen. Yeah. It's just about generally like the excitement of a sport. Again, I think congratulations. To her. I mean, congratulations. this is kind like, of, it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing feat. Like, absolutely i'm just like i want to see more from that division yeah um so matt were you bored three rounds and 17 holes into the tournament because that's how long <laughs> that's how long Kristen went without leading if i'm not mistaken maybe uh maybe not by time because no. she was charging through the third round but i she, wasn't bored in the first round by holes uh it wasn't until round three hole 18 when that round finished that she had the lead and then she didn't look back in all round four. And I can understand round four, even though there, again, was some doubt. Uh, but in in round one and round two and round three for maybe the first half, uh, you had, like, was it Henna who was in the driver's seat? Mm-hmm. Was it Henna that was going to take it down? Was it, like, Evelina yes. who's having yes. a good tournament? Was it Owen who was in the mix? Uh, Haley King wasn't too far back coming off of MVP Open. Win. There were so many people that it was exciting. Uh, and it really wasn't until the final round that, like, and even then, it wasn't until the back half. Like, I just disagree with your take so much. I don't think it was boring one bit. Uh, I think if you're score watching, that's when it gets boring, and that's it. If you're actually watching the golf, I don't think it was boring for one minute uh, until, like, hole 15 or 16 of the final round here. So and even then, I wouldn't say boring. I'd say you're exciting for all the accolades that happen. You can get through four rounds of golf with just, like, like awing at greatness like if you can't awe, awe at greatness for four rounds i understand that but you can awe at greatness for four holes and not be bored i think so three three rounds of disc golf was exciting because there was so many storylines right and they were all still in um the possibility in the realm of happening but you have the storyline that kristen's gonna if she didn't have that storyline this is a grand slam 
like what storyline was it? Kristen just wins again, right? And like so it's her fifth major win in a row. The first time an FPO player has ever done that. Doesn't even matter if we call it a grand slam or not. This it, is my point though. It's like just gonna keep happening and happening. How many majors in would you feel like this is old hat and boring for you, Evan? Like how many would it be? Never? You'd be like, this is amazing. A disc golf has so many old records that might never get broken because the field was young. Uh, like we, who, who would have thought that this record of Juliana Corver and uh, Des Renning winning four majors in a row in FPO would ever get broken? You probably would say it'd be pretty hard, but here we are and it got broken. Juliana Corver led for 20 straight rounds at majors between 1999 and 2000. Kristen Tatar was... Uh, on schedule to break that. She led 18 after she finished uh, Worlds. She did not lead after round one of US Women, so that that streak ended. She finished at 18. She was, she was two rounds shy of Juliana Corver's record. She's got to do it all over again if she wants to break that record, or else that record's staying with Juliana Corver or someone else. There are records for Kristen Tatar to still break. So, like, I, I'm not bored yet, because she hasn't broken everything. She has more things to do. Like, so it's not it's not boring. It's not that I'm like, and that's not to say like, I'm not like content with her accomplishments. They're obviously incredible. Uh, and it's not to take away from Kristen's accomplishments, but there is still more to attain. Yeah. Okay. I mean, oh, I think, all I, yeah, well, I was going to say one of the, one of the things about it, and we're kind of talking about records and accolades and everything like that is Kristen is now setting records that the future generations now have something to aspire to. I mean, look at back in the day, Ken Climo doing what Ken Climo did. And we still have players to this day, Paul McBeth, Paige Pierce, trying to hit that major number to get past the Ken Climo. I mean, Paul's always eyed, you know, can I get to 13 world titles or something like that? Like, these are things that are happening. So future generations of disc golf, you know, I, I understand. I think someone had said this in the chat, too, where uh, Ed Root says, Matt wants a three-pointer to win the game type moment. And I understand that. And to have that at some tournaments is an incredible thing. James Conrad shot, incredible thing wins during playoffs, big putts and everything like that are awesome. But at the same time, we are witnessing greatness right now. And I think some, absolutely. And I think some of it is being taken kind of for granted because of how well she's doing it and how and I don't want to say easy. I don't want to say easy at all because every single time she goes out and plays, it's a stressful time as a professional athlete to go out and do that because it's one of those things where it's like you know, we were joking around at the White Sox game and the Red Sox game where, you know, hey, you know, Dylan obviously knows that he needs four more strikeouts. And then we went like two innings with no strikeouts. We're like, oh, dude, I'm freaking bad luck. Is this even going to happen? But like, so their sports in and of itself are stressful, but we are witnessing something so incredible in the sport right now that you kind of can't, you can't take that for granted. No, you can't. But I, and I actually, they're calling me from my gate here. So this is my closing thoughts. And some of you are like, thank goodness. But <laughs> when Paul, when Paul McBeth was winning every event or Ricky, at least you had the Ricky or Paul situation. Mm -hmm. But even after a while, you're like, it's always one of them. Like the rest of the field just must be hopeless. It's, it, and, and that's my take on boring. It's not actually boring to Evan's point to watch competition unfold and to see some good shots be made. But at the end of the day, when the story is going to keep being that Kristen wins, Kristen wins, everybody else comes short. That's all I'm talking about. And I hate to take the moment to say that we can't say congrats to Kristen here because I'm absolutely saying that I'm thinking it's a major accomplishment. So kudos to her on that. And congratulations. We'll talk to her <laughs> maybe about some of this in the off season mm -hmm. and uh, ask her to, 
ask her to lighten up a little bit and, and let other people get a little closer so we can have some excitement maybe, you know. But uh, anyways, I, I again, I, I'm all worked up here. We were worked up yesterday in our group text. It was yeah. a good time. Hey, Dan, Daniel's on your side, so don't worry about it. You do have 15% of our chat voted your way that they agree with you more than Evan. So, uh, oh, but I got 85. Let's not forget about that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Shall we move down the leaderboard? Hey, if, I, if I didn't, as I walk onto my plane, if I didn't bring these takes, all we'd be saying every single week is congrats, Kristen. And yeah. then it'd be a boring show. So and I'd I be totally fine with it. Don't you worry. Humoring. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but how boring is that? Look, look no, at I, I know any what you sports mean. talk. You got to bring the controversy. You have to bring it. I know what you so. mean. Nope. Anyways, I get on my plane. You yep. guys have a good show. I won't be watching. I'll be on an airplane. Well, I might safe. be able to join Wi-Fi. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Peace out, everybody. Fly safe. Yeah, watch a good movie. Uh, that was did we crazy. find out where he's going? He's in uh, Detroit. He's in Detroit he's, right now. We did not find out. It's, it's probably good that we didn't find out, so no one tries to stalk him for uh, bad like takes. North Dakota or, or something. Yeah, but, yeah. That was know. one of the better debates I've been a part of that I've seen. Yeah. You guys are both Evan, arguing. Evan throwing in the stats, dude. The dude, accolades, the Matt accomplishments. Was so Man, wrong. And I'm Matt thankful that 85% of Christian's name. Well, yeah. I, I will say you pr- took the more popular side, so that that's, I took the right side. Well, that's, I, that, that, that's probably why. I always say, like, I'm you're entitled to your own wrong opinion. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> like, no, like, the your take was yeah. like what probably the general consensus is. That's why. Yeah, again, I don't know right what opinion. I'm trying to explain, but yeah, that, that's how I, debates I, work. It kind of, kind of. Before, before we go Thank back you. on to U.S. Women's Disc Golf, it, it kind of just all depends on who you are as a sports. I understand Matt coming from the side of yeah, we want a more interesting podcast to talk about these things, and you know, yada yada. yada. I understand that. For me, back in 2015, when I'm watching Paul, and this is before I really even knew Paul, I talked to him once or twice before that. Like we weren't friends yet or anything like that. But watching Paul's dominance in, dominance in 2015 was aspiring to say, "Wow, look at what this guy is doing! He's kicking ass! He's about to win fourth world championship in a row! He won the USDGC for the first time of his career after a horrible loss in 2014. I mean, all these things kind of inspired those people to get into the sport and to become." The Gannon Burrs that we have, the Cole Rodollins, all these young kids coming up and, you know, the Kyle Kleins and now winning Elite Series events, winning majors. This kind of dominance shows that, hey, this is actually a thing that I can do. I'm going to go out and do it now. And I think that's great. And this was actually kind of an interesting topic as well is, you know, Paul actually did have the opportunity in 2014 to achieve the Grand Slam, but ended up losing after, I think, a four or five hole playoff at USCGC to Will Schuschrick. So he almost went back to back years of a grand slam. But at the same time, you can look at it and say, you know what? Maybe that loss in 2014 fueled the fire for 2015 to have the season that he had then. So hopefully this kind of season, majority of the FPO Instagram accounts that I do follow are all congratulating Kristen, the grand slam. Everyone's talking about it. And I hope that inspires all of those FPO players to go out and look at what she is doing and look at what she is accomplishing. She's making great money playing the sport of disc golf. She's enjoying it. She takes her family out on the road. She's when a she girl can. boss. She's yeah, she's kicking ass. And I think that's incredible in and of itself. It really all depends. Daniel said, I guess I wouldn't mind watching Simon win by 10 every week. It would be awesome to watch Simon win by 10 every single week because we are homies with Simon. But at the same time, um, I understand. Simon wouldn't like winning by ten every week. He I think, get, I he think would Simon get, would. I I think any player would like winning by ten every I think single after week. Like don't six get me wrong. Or so he would yeah. feel. I don't know. Simon's a man for the people. Yeah. He's 
Simon's got a big heart. So yeah. uh, I say let's move on let's a, move a little on. bit. I do we'll want get to say that yeah. this was uh, Kristen Tatar's sixth major win. Uh, she has now won U.S. Women's twice. It was the first major win she had back in 2019. Uh, that was her first uh, major or elite series win. With, uh, all the classifications, that was her first one back when it was in Virginia. Mm -hmm. uh, moving down, we have Owen Scoggins, who is making a late push. Uh, always exciting to watch. It's I can't even believe it. Um, she gets second place. Uh, she is now on a nasty podium streak. Of course, she had the DNF at Worlds. So mm -hmm. when counting that, uh, the streak has now been restarted since MVP. But for the sake of it, let's exclude that uh, world or that Worlds DNF. And she has not missed podium. Uh, where was it since Champions Cup in April? Uh, which is dirty. Uh, I, I can't even like, yeah. that, that's like gone <laughs> under our nose. Like, uh, yeah, what? I, was gonna say, I did not even realize uh, that. Yeah. So, uh, congrats to Owen playing incredibly well. Uh, she of course got her first, uh, FPO elite win, uh, maybe about a month or a month mm -hmm. and a half ago out at D glow. She's looking for her first FPO major, of course has many, many as in like three or four or five. I, I forget. FPO, I or FP40, excuse me, division. And then speaking of FP40, Jen Allen wins that. Mm -hmm. uh, and in an FP50, Des Redding wins, which... Uh, which this uh, was a battle a, in and of itself. For people yeah. who don't realize, Juliana Corver playing on the Pro Tour, having some podium or a podium finish this year, but also kind of coming back onto the Pro Tour scene while Des Redding is also still playing disc golf, sponsored by Mint and Discs, um, goes out into the FP50 division. And they actually, I think Juliana finished third. I don't remember the name of yes. who finished second. Well, uh, Michelle ahead. Green, which I'm going to be honest, I've not heard of her name before. Um, I mean, shout out to her being yeah. Juliana Corver, who is uh, killing it, mm -hmm. uh, is, oh man, I, is she the one that's last into the tour championship assuming that I Paige think Pierce so. doesn't play? Yeah. I think so. I should know and these things. I think things we can 100% assume Paige is not playing. So that was obviously Juliana's goal and to do it while also playing in FP 50 is incredible. But then shout out to Michelle green for besting Juliano here. And of course to Des writing as well for getting the win. Mm -hmm. uh, it's incredibly cool for uh, some legends in the game. Uh, there's a lot of divisions and a lot of great players. I don't want to go through them all right now. Cause we have a lot more to cover. I did also want to mention third place in FPO being Hannah Blomrus. Uh, she was leading through much of this tournament mm -hmm. and that dang hole 18 uh bit her good uh she double bogeyed it in round one part it in rounds two and four but then the one that people are going to know of is in round three she quadruple bogeyed it it ended up being a four stroke swing she was leading tatar by two strokes going into round three hole 18 ends up trailing by two strokes going into the final round she still picks up a podium i believe it's yeah. her first podium of the year at elite and majors mm -hmm. uh and let me pull it up real quick because that is now her 10th all time uh from elite and majors which is a lot um and mm -hmm. oh i have one more cool thing um i mean shout she, out to the europeans it's her sixth major yeah. podium in fpl that's the most uh major podiums without a win Mm -hmm. uh, so we obviously talked about similar things for Maddie Yeo winning MVP open and a blobber is, is uh, uh, not quite the long-term legend of Maddie Yeo, yeah. uh, but she's an incredible player. Who's so much fun to watch. Remember she was pushing at worlds mm -hmm. last year. She's pushed at many other majors, this one as well. Uh, I'm rooting for her to get a win at some point. We just still see the putting woes happen uh haley said this in her instagram post haley king um mvp open champion said this in her instagram post that she thinks henna is one of 
the best backhand players on tour right now. Oh, I mean, no realistically, doubt. when you actually when you look at the USDGC showcase, the distance competition, and Henna throws a disc across the pond up on the elevated platform. I'm gonna say a majority of people in our chat are not reaching that distance. I sure shit am not reaching that distance, and I can completely <laughs> admit it. Like a majority of people listening right now are not doing what Henna can do with a backhand, especially distance wise, too. I mean, it is her and Evelina, very very impressive but we just consistently see the putting woes happen um and they're mm. like matt was talking about i mean six or seven putts from potentially even inside of 20 feet one of my biggest things that i try to teach people when i do lessons is learn to putt from 20 feet that would have been huge for henna if she was the best 20 foot putter on tour she would have won the tournament i mean it's as simple it's not as simple as that but it's as simple as that in a sense so in, in words, it's as simple as that. And we're going to sound like broken records. Yes, because exactly. we've been saying it forever. Everyone yeah. else has been saying it forever. It's hard to keep on talking about it, but I like it. It does mm -hmm. feel like you just fixed that and yeah. it, it's greatness. And you're going to be toe to toe with Kristen or, or even more. Yeah. Uh, let's do pop keep picks real quick. Yeah. We got to keep it going. Cause we got Jesse coming on at 8 PM mm -hmm. hey, uh, in last place. Our boy, Ben. Yeah. Pick Macy Villa Diaz. <laughs> I think I've been last the past at least three uh, in a row. Yeah. At no, least three you came in a row. In second, you came in second uh, three uh, events ago. That so you're back to back. Worlds? Last place. No. No. That's not... It wouldn't have been Worlds. It was been before Worlds. What before was, Worlds. Yeah. Worlds, oh, I was okay. last. The D-Glow, yeah. maybe. Sure, um, sure. Yeah, because we didn't do it for MVP Open for Pop Picks, that is. Yeah, we did. Didn't we briefly pick them up? We did. We did lock. Could have sworn we did pop too. MVP I've... open. We just no, because we were in studio. Anyways, oh, that's a good point. Chat, right, we'll, so we'll call us out. Good... Did we do? Did we do it? I don't, I don't think know. so. We'll have some good off-season cleanup of pop picks. But in third place, we have Matt Graham, who picked Holly Finley, who finished twenty-third. Uh, oh, uh, going back, Ben picked Macy Villadiaz, who finished in seventeenth. Her average is eleventh, negative about six points. Oh, that was a terrible pick then. Holly Finley. I didn't realize she, she does so well. She's been averaging 18th. She's uh, having a great season, Ben. Uh, she's top 10 in disc golf pro points, if I'm not mistaken. I think number 10, maybe number nine. Well, that's why that, uh, that's my that's my thinking behind the pop points because I think like oh she had a really good tournament, but it's not good when she's averaging. She averages she's averaging well. in the yeah. eighth to yeah. 12th so, place. Yeah, so that wasn't a good, yeah. that was not a good pick. Uh, Holly yeah. Finley is averaging 18th, so five worse than her 23rd finish. And let's hop straight to the winner. Me by a lot, actually. Congrats, Nick. Is this your oh, first dub? Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I was not expecting that. Yeah. Finished in eighth place. She is averaging 21st on the season or just better than that. So uh, about 13 points for you. I come in second. I was only at a single point or actually 0 0.9. I picked Allie Smith, who finished 14th. She's averaging 14.9. Uh, so congrats, Nick. Big dub. Thank you. Huge dub. Big win for you. Uh, honestly, and this is all shout out to Lucky. I mean... She has really turned it on yes. kind of the back half of the season. For sure. What, one, of my, one of my favorite things that I've been watching with FPO this year is Owen Scoggins. I'm going to say that just right off the rip. Owen Scoggins has been so fun to watch this year. And before this year, she wasn't like, oh, she's my favorite player. I'm rooting for every turn. Kristen is still my favorite FPO player with a ton of the players on Discraft like Valerie and Alexis, Menhano, who I very much enjoy rooting for. But Owen and Lucky, especially the last like three to four months or maybe even like five to six tournaments, have been so fun to root for because they're slowly they're they're gaining their stride and i mean look what own has done she went and played one of the longest courses that we have on tour she didn't birdie a single par three 
and she won the tournament. And what do we know about Owen Scoggins? Not a lot of distance, but insanely good on the green. Just she and makes it work. That wobble putt shots works. Too, yeah, keeping it safe. She, she does a lot of. She does the well. same thing over and over and over. She People, rips on a Halo Destroyer and she puts it within twenty five feet and she makes the 25 footer oh my god yeah and i'm not blaming you nick but people will like sometimes put own in a box and just say she doesn't have a lot of distance and she's a good putter and those are the two qualities someone can have meanwhile own is incredibly good with a lot of other facets of her game Mm -hmm. as uh we're talking about so she might not uh, throw far but she throws accurate she's consistent accurate and she is consistent consistent. She plays smart. I think she's mentally sound too. She's she's not phased one bit by yeah. Kristen. She's excited for Kristen. She's happy if she wins, but you know she's there. I want to yeah. be. She was like, I want to beat her. Like I'm sure that's what she's thinking think, every single time. I think there's. And she knows she can't. I think there's something behind like that Matteo slash own mindset where it's just like, kind of like I'm playing disc golf. Let's have some fun. And I th- I think that kind of their mental game that helps a lot with their consistency mm-hmm. and why why they're so great. Um, but speaking of Licky or Lucky, Licky, mm-hmm. sorry. Um, what, do you think she would be most improved player this year or is there someone better? Because I, I think, Ooh. I mean, she, she did well at Worlds and she did, she's did she been doing mm-hmm. really well recently. And I know last year, I don't think she did as well. So what do you think, Evan? I think it's a legitimate case. Uh, well, last time you we brought take? this up, I mentioned Allie Smith, which was my pop. Pick, I actually, I do like that as well. Is I think a bigger front runner, but it's one of those things where like I may think one way, but I definitely respect the case for Lucky because yeah. she has improved greatly. You it could be swayed the other way. Sure, it yeah. is one of those things where are we being you know recently recency? Yeah, I guess recency bias definitely yeah. Lucky because with how good Worlds was and then here um, that obviously I mean it matters a lot doing it at the majors and we have so many majors at the end of the year, uh, which is a topic for a little bit. Um, but like I would have to review how she did the rest of the year. It is yeah. a good question. Um, let's. Uh, t- I, I wanted to talk about just the course a little bit. Yeah, we saw this at a new course that we haven't seen uh, at this level of disc golf. It was called the Regulator. Um, this was in North Carolina, but I believe it was more of the Raleigh area. Um, I mean, I'm sure uh, it's not that. I don't know how big or different different areas of North Carolina is. I'm sure it's you know generally feels the same as charlotte or other points um but this course uh new they've been working on it for a long time i heard that it was in the works for over 10 years uh this specific layout was specifically designed for fpo and this event which is very cool to see and i think it played incredibly well uh looking at just tour card holders uh let me pull it up real quick the amount of birdies to bogeys was uh incredibly cool to see uh one more here there throughout the entire event from tour card holders there's 638 birdies or under par that includes eagles uh there was 633 over par strokes so bogeys are worse uh and that kind of spread is really cool to see it was about uh 22 percent for both you're gonna have a lot of pars when you look at all tour card holders um and so we saw a little over 55 percent um i what are you just we got to talk about the general thought of U.S. women's with the history. Uh-huh. We talked to Haley King last week. She uh-huh. said she doesn't really like this event as the major as much as she would hope that throw pink slash U.S. DGC would be the major. But I got to say, I think this event lived up to being a major and then some. It was absolutely quality. Many of these pros are saying, hey, let's just do U.S. women's here every year. There's a lot to unpack with that. 
Um, but just in the general course and uh, event and area, what were your kind of thoughts with it? I think realistically, um, I do love the idea of U.S. women's finding a stationary course, um, wherever that may be. Um, a lot of people, I'm hearing a lot of incredibly good feedback about this course that they had just played. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to watch that much coverage as it was a very busy weekend with you know other stuff going on. So unfortunately, I couldn't watch it. So I'm not going to go and speak on the course in and of itself, but I am going to speak on the mindset of kind of players having it. This is something that Haley King had talked about with us and on her, um, I think, post-round interview or maybe, excuse me, press conference interview is that... This tournament hasn't always felt like a major. Now, from what I've heard, the last two years have been very successful. Um, but one of the things, one of the things that kind of hurts rotating majors is that it's in a different club every single year. Now, the PDGA does what they can for this tournament, but it's really a lot of it depends on the club in that area helping out run this tournament. Now, some places are going to be better than other ones. I think that's a huge case in, you know, any of our rotating majors that we have. Look at the European Open. Look at what Champions Cup is becoming. And kind of, I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but look at, let's take European Open and USCGC. You have these spectacles of majors that have been stationary for so long that they've finally built this just amazing venue, amazing place to go and play. The players love it. The spectators love it. Um, USCGC is not as fun to watch as I think other tournaments are, but that's my, my own kind of take on that. But realistically, (laughs) um, us women's should be designated to one area. Um, I do love the idea of it, of it being close to where throw pink is being played and USCGC. So take the Carolinas, take, you know, Georgia up to Maryland, Pennsylvania, maybe, um, and put it around there to where the travel going out to throw pink. Isn't that big of a deal. My only thing with this is what happens when throw pink becomes a major or if throw pink will ever become a major. Um, That's that's a question for a different time, I guess. But what is stopping throw pink right now from becoming a major? And then at that point, okay, does U.S. women's now happen earlier on in the season and you throw it out to the West Coast? I know, Evan, I think you were kind of talking about this when it comes to rotating majors or like Champions Cup, stuff like that is... You know, we have a lot of East Coast majors. This would create another East Coast. This would create, exactly, would create another East Coast major. So, yes, I do love the idea of U.S. women's being stationary, just like it is for the um, MPO division. What is the best option for that? Not 100% sure yet. I guess I'm kind of wondering why isn't throw pink a major yet, but I also think it's kind of tough running. If you want to expand on the FPO field size, it kind of hurts throw pink being a major because now you're also taking away on the MPO side. So both are kind of getting, does that make sense? Like I'm not trying to be sexist and say like, Oh, you're screwing over MPO. Not at all. But I'm just saying like you are potentially taking spots if you're opening up the field more for throw pink. So put us women's one week and then put, you know, throw pink and USCGC the next week. I I don't know, but I think that's kind of, I know your intentions are good, Nick, but like think about every other tournament on tour this season like besides worlds with pools like uh-huh. we we deal with that already yeah um and i get that it's hard because u.s women's the, it's cool because of how many women are able to play it i think the field was over 90 or 90 exactly maybe it was 89 uh, excuse me there but it was in that ballpark for fpo only 
we, we when do we ever see numbers that high outside of worlds that's probably it mm-hmm. so uh, i get i get your point that that would be hard to do at winthrop at usdgc and maybe it has to be back-to-back weekends i don't know how that works but uh it, it's hard to figure that out i, I understand think, i think it's one of those things where it's like are we getting to a point in disc golf where for major championships is it worth having them on s- separate weekends like having the fpo champions cup the week prior to the mpo one so that you can massively increase the fpo field and Ooh, not it, and nick you get me thinking now is like a big topic as of late is like pros being tired needing more weeks off uh-huh. is the season too long all this stuff oh, it, you gotta got me excited because now think about it if we say hey champions cup that's a well, let's say a week off for the women mm-hmm. and then that's two weeks off for the men and then the women get two weeks off at, after and the men get one or it goes right out there's yeah. all these ways to do it so it's not unfair it's not like you know the the women are a little bit stretched to end this season because they played mvp and then boom they're playing us women's and then mm-hmm. okay week off then usdgc where the men have this big long break going into the end of the season so it is kind of tough to yeah. handle with that but that's a I'm- cool idea uh, yeah, that, I mean, that is a cool idea. I'm not saying I'm not saying completely separate the tours where you have an FPO tour and an MPO tour. I'm not saying that at all. But at the same time, having, uh, you know, a lot of disc golfers, and this is just something that kind of it is what it is right now. A lot of disc golfers travel together, MPO players and FPO players. A lot of them, either they're you know significant others with each other, or there's really close friends, and it works out that way. It's cheaper for everyone if you're traveling kind of in a bigger group. But I think for the longevity of these players. Um, being able to give them a little bit more time off, but still being able to have one of the biggest things about this, and you kind of you can look at the disc golf network. We subscribe to the disc golf network. We want to watch disc golf as much as possible. We love it that there's disc golf back to back to back to back weeks. You know, that's incredible for someone who is subscribing to a streaming service. For the players, though, granted, we can look at it and say, oh, they're so fortunate to be able to play disc golf full time, but it's hurting on them. We see more injuries now in the last two years than we have, I think really ever in disc golf. And that's partly because of how stretched out they are through this super long season. A lot of events, silver series are worth points, elite series, majors. They're all worth points. Winning a tiers is great bonuses from disc manufacturers. So players are going out grinding and not taking care of their body as much as possible, you know, as much as they should be. So now we can kind of get to a point where it's like, okay, hey, we have the Las Vegas challenge and it's going to be the last two weekends in February. You have the FPO weekend and you can also allow now at this point, you can allow more amateur divisions. The, you know, they could make more money off of this. And then you have the MPO weekend. You can also have MA1, MA2, MA3 playing separate courses. This this is all dependent on multiple courses and we're not going to go down this rabbit hole for too much longer. But I think this is kind of an idea that could be brought up in the next few years is not necessarily, and this doesn't have to be for every single event, but it could be for majors. You have, you know, the F, the U.S. Women's Disc Golf Championships one weekend, and then the, right after that, you have the U.S. DGC for the Mixed Pro Open Division. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think that's kind of any thoughts something. Before, we have to hit the giveaway before we bring on a Jesse. Yes. So hit the giveaway. Go I'll ahead. I'll give you your time right. now. Um, Thanks, Evan. I, Evan, I appreciate that. But ben, we're friends. I'm for you here. No, yeah, might, they, they, were fight, they were fighting before the show. I'm, I'm for you. Well, that's yeah, mean. Was... People don't realize me and Evan love each other. That's our dynamic. We just love tooling on each other because uh, we're both. Uh... You, you hurt my feelings over the weekend talking about my forehand. But let's move on <laughs> to some cool giveaways. 
We're going to move on to a giveaway. And the way we are going to this, we are still in massive and full support of what the Paul Macbeth Foundation doing, is doing. And then also Justin Wren's foundation, Fight for the Forgotten. We are beyond supportive of what they are doing and just incredibly thankful for them coming onto the podcast, being able to talk about it. If you haven't seen our special episode, it's from a couple of weeks ago now. It was on a Wednesday night. We had Paul and Justin both talking about their foundations. And one of the things that we are going to do in partnership with the Paul McBeth Foundation is we are going to do a giveaway. Now, Ben, when you can, go ahead and throw up the number in the eighth caller to call this number. We're going to bring you onto the show and you are oh going boy. to win a Discraft. I think it's a roach. It's a bar stamp roach. That is the first disc that we are giving away. Now, we are doing a giveaway with the Paul McBeth Foundation. Uh, ben, did you put the link in the YouTube chat? Yes, yes. Into the YouTube bio? So if you actually uh, go... To donate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you actually go onto our YouTube bio, um, just click the description button to see more or whatever, the link to donate directly to this cause is under there. The first night that we were on and doing all this, we raised just about $2,000 from you guys, the chat, and 100% of that is being matched up to $15,000. So we have this incredible opportunity to go out and donate. Um, check the link in our bio, and the eighth and the caller and the eighth number. Excuse me, the eighth caller to call the phone number at the bottom left of your screen right now is going to win a Discraft Bar Stamp Roach. So Ben, let us know when we hit eight callers. Will do. No one's called yet, so you got a good chance if you call. <laughs> yeah, you got a good chance. <laughs> Everyone's waiting to call. Okay, starting to come. All right, here we go. We've got three callers. Oh, wow. We've There's got four callers. Right We've got six callers. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, two more. Two more. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. Um, All right. Anyways. I'm, I'm checking. I lost now. my chat. Can you put my chat back up when you get a chance? Yeah, hold on. Well, and then we also, we have Jesse in the green room now. There's a yes, whole lot yes, happening. Yes, ben, yes. you're doing great. All right, cool. Ben, I, you're doing I got to awesome. decline some people. We're declining calls because we're going to answer lucky number eight. No, Nick, this is really easy for us because we're just like, hey, Ben, do this. Dude, the don't Nick and Matt show has always been easy for, <laughs> I'm going to say me personally, not to brag or anything. My my name is just on it. Other than that, Matt, Ben, and you, you guys pretty much do all the work. I just, you know, come on and talk about disc golf. Uh, I, I show up and talk. Yeah. And with that. Are uh, we ooh. calling ourselves? I'm calling uh, the eighth caller. Oh, okay. Awesome. Because there's way too many people calling. Oh, we actually got Oh, on. they picked up. Hello, Hello, this is, this nah, is me. yeah, this is Nick from the Nick and Matt show. You are a winner. What's your name? Mike. Mike, pleasure to meet you. Mike, where do you, where are you from? Uh, I live in Pittsburgh. Awesome. Pittsburgh, incredible 2015 Good world championships golf. were there. Great disc golf out there. Mike, have you heard what we are doing with the Paul McBeth Foundation and Justin Wren's Fight for the Forgotten Foundation? Have you been in the loop on any of that? Yeah, a little bit. I actually haven't been watching the last few weeks, but I'm normally a live listener. All right. Always. That's all good. Good timing, though. Yeah, good timing. You, you got onto an episode with a giveaway. So awesome. Mike, you actually did win the bar stamp roach. Um, we're going to get Ben to link up with you. Uh, send us your address. Just text this number. Text this number that you called to win, and then we'll get the information from you, and you will be winning yourself a bar stamp roach. Right on. Appreciate it, guys. Love Mike, the show. Thank you very much, Mike. Thanks for Mike, listening. Mike, Take it easy. Mike, Mike. You as well, Mike. Let's go. So, all right. See ya. Awesome. That actually perfectly brings up, and I'm just going to say it one more time, in the bio, we have the link to go right to the Fight for the Forgotten page. Go check it out. Check out our previous YouTube video on this. Awesome stuff happening. 
It's eight o'clock right now, though, Evan. Your boy Jesse's in the right, green Jesse. room. Shout out Jesse. I gotta see my boy. That's that's high. Jesse's uh, talking about Jesse. Right there. No, I'm just kidding. You're the one who you know wanted to nah, I, get all this going. Jesse so, and I hung yeah. out a, a while at Worlds. Yeah. He was up there. I was gonna we'll say, yeah, we all too. we all met him at Worlds. I hung out with Jesse. Come yeah. on now. So it's oh, Jesse. Okay, yeah, is Jesse in good the to fairway. go? Uh, Jesse, can you give us a quick hiya or something? There we go. Yeah, sounds, right. He sounds good on our side. Yes. So Jesse, we're going to bring you right in. Uh, I don't even know. Are we are we doing music for the guests tonight? Sure, sure. Let's bring him on in. Uh, we have Jesse Neiman from Ulti World. <laughs> Jesse Neiman. You're thinking of the player, Jesse Weiss. Weiss. Uh, I don't know why I thought Weiss Neiman for Ulti World. Or maybe, yeah. I don't know. Sorry, Weiss um, from oh Ulti World, helping us out, talking about the fandom survey that they had going on. Here Jesse, go. my apologies. I'm reading more than one text message, but you're on. And uh, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So go ahead, Evan. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, Jesse, we're going to talk about the fandom survey. But first, tell us a little bit about, our, about yourself. What do you do? What do you do in disc golf? Anything outside of disc golf that's, that's cool so we can get to know you before uh, getting into it? So uh, for my real job, I'm the executive director of a nonprofit organization. So I help teachers travel all around the world and then bring those travel experiences back into their classrooms. And uh, for disc golf, I was an ultimate player. Uh, so I still play ultimate. Uh, don't really actually play disc golf much, but I became a fan back in 2017 with the Australian Open. Uh, it got fed to me in my YouTube feed. And uh, ever since then, I've just been obsessed with the pro sport of disc golf and following that online. Um, yeah. Yeah. So tell us about the fandom survey, uh, how kind of how you became the one, the man behind it. I was just curious. I mean, like all of the writing that I've done about disc golf has all been things that I'm curious about. I'm not a statistician. I'm not, I'm not a writer. I mean, you know, these, I have none of these skills, um, but I am curious and wanted to know these things and took the time to pursue it. And again, I'm running a tour company for teachers. And in 2020, with the pandemic, I had a lot of spare time on my hands. And so I, I dove into the question of who, who are the greatest disc golfers of all, all time? Not who's the GOAT, because I don't really love that debate, um, but like who are the top 100 disc golfers of all time? Who are the top 50 women of all time? Uh, and so that was, my first foray into writing about disc golf. And since then I've taken on a bunch of mostly data projects, uh, often related to the history of the sport. Um, but now the fandom survey was the same thing is why do I like the players that I like? Uh, that really kind of nagged at me is why are there players that I root against and players that I root for? And if I looked at the demographics of other fans, would they have similar demographics of me for the people who root for the same players that I root for? If that, if I, that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, do extroverted fans like similar players do short people like Paul Macbeth more than Ricky Wysocki? Um, you know, all of these things were kind of percolating my head. And I thought the only way to do this is a survey. And so I worked with Ulti World and the kind folks at Statmando to uh, get the survey out. Uh, last year, we had about a thousand, oh, a little over a thousand five hundred people take the survey. Uh, and this year, we're over uh, over two thousand five hundred and hoping to get even more uh, oh, wow. survey respondents. So it's a good Holy sample cow. size. Yeah. So over a thousand survey respondents last year. 
uh, what were some of the cool things that you and, you know, I know I worked on some, but I'll let you uh, recap it. What were some of the cool uh, uh, headlines and, and data points that you have found uh, from the survey? I think the things that people were most interested in is who are the most popular players. And one of the things we found surprising was that there, there's kind of a, a two different ways we looked at popularity. We have a fandom score, which is if you give somebody a 10, you're rooting for them as much as possible. And if you give somebody a last year survey was one, this year survey is zero, uh, you're rooting against them as much as possible. And we were kind of expecting, you know, Paul Macbeth to have one of the highest fandom scores or Simon Lazat. It ended up being Chris Tatar having the highest fandom score. That doesn't mean she's the most popular player in the sport. And I think the, the article, uh, there's been a bunch of articles and people have kind of misinterpreted what her results were. We also asked people, who's your favorite player? And by far, Simon Lazat had the most votes of who's your favorite player. And Tatar was somewhere around fourth, um, you know, after uh, play, after Macbeth and, and, and a few other players. Yeah, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Simon was number two in the fandom score, correct? Yes, yeah. Simon was number two in the fandom score. Um, so, yeah, you're saying that that's probably, you know, the the biggest one that people can see and maybe the most fun to fill out because you're if you uh, just grading players from a zero to 10 and you can even choose to uh, rate even more to go through it. Uh, what were some of the other questions or uh, kind of data points? I don't know the best way to say that word, but I know yeah. what you know what I mean. Hopefully the viewers know what I'm meaning as well. What were the other uh, ones outside that that you enjoyed or, or came with cool uh, articles? Well, I mean, one thing that, again, I'm like a little over five, seven, and I was wondering, do shorter people like Macbeth more than Waisaki? Um, and there is no correlation between height and who you root for, which was very <laughs> disappointing. Yeah. I thought that was going to be like a really cool <laughs> stat we'd have. Yeah. We don't have that stat. There, there's just nothing there. Um, here, let me, I've got a list here, too. Yeah, um, and so through the survey, you say what your height is. Uh, and yes. then we compare that with the fandom score of uh, of each respondents of Ricky Baisaki, Paul Macbeth, or uh, anyone else for other things. Yeah, and we don't have that for we didn't do we didn't bother with height this year because we kind of okay we got our, everything we were going to get out of height. Mm -hmm. And so this year we've got a lot of different questions, new you know theories to to explore. Like one other idea I had was that people who watch live coverage. Are going to like who are, are going to dislike Gannon Burr and Nicola Castro more than fans who watch edited footage because mm -hmm. the idea is you know Burr's sped up a lot but in last year especially he was very slow as was Nico with with how they play and my thought was people who are sitting there watching live coverage waiting for them to putt would dislike them more than players than fans who. Uh, watch edited footage. And on the survey, we asked people, do you prefer live? Or do, you full, do, do you prefer post? Uh, we asked people whether they're DGN subscribers. And so we were able to take people who are live fans and compare them to people who are post fans. And we found actually that live fans liked Nico LaCastro more than post fans, which was, Ooh. again, counterintuitive. Yeah. And we have some theories on why that might be the case. Yeah, like I mean, my guess goes to maybe they're uh, 
bigger fans of disc golf or historical fans. And they remember when Nico was maybe the best player in the world, uh, the early 2010s or so. Uh, that's very cool. So you, you mentioned, uh, this year's, uh, this year's survey, uh, having new questions doesn't have height, but it does have other ones. What are some of the, the new questions that if people filled out last or last year's survey, but haven't filled out this year's survey that they can expect? Uh, we've got two whole new sections. So we've got one section on manufacturers that we didn't have last time. So you can rate the manufacturers. You know, what do you think of Innova? What do you think of Discraft? Uh, what do you think of MVP? You know, going down down there. And that that's something that is going to be very useful to track from year to year. So we can see, you know, I wish we had uh, Prodigy's numbers from last year. And then maybe we could see what the fallout is from the Gannon Burr contract dispute, for example. Um, or we can look at like Lone Star last year, you know, they, maybe they were popular and they were this upcoming manufacturer and then they've had some bad news, you know, some things that might have upset some fans in the past year. And it would be great to be able to compare that. So we, we do have manufacturers. We do also ask uh, questions like, uh, uh, have you bought a signature or tour series disc from uh, which, which of the players have you bought tour series or signature series discs within the last 12 months. And that was really revealing. And I think that that's, that's going to, people are going to find that uh, yeah. really interesting, especially if we talk about Simon Lazat and his switch over to MVP, mm -hmm. just how many discs is he selling? Now we don't know how many discs he's selling, but we know what percentage of our survey takers have bought his discs as well as the other players down the line. Yeah. My hunch says he might be the top of that one, whether or not he's the top of the fandom score and, and to targets that they're obviously both near the top for selling discs, but I would pick Simon. Uh, this is the most questions I've asked in an interview. I was going to say, Evan, so you're rolling know, right now. Keep uh, it rolling. Nick, and even Ben, if you guys wanted to hop in All with right. anything, feel free, but I do have more as well. Keep going. All right. Um, well, well, I guess I, I kind of was in the middle of it. I, I, I wanted to go a little bit more on this year's new survey. Um, over two and a half times as many survey respondents so far. I don't know if you've looked into the data yet or while it's still open. Uh, has there been any um, drastic changes uh, that you've seen that maybe will come out in an article, but you know, if we can get a sneak peek uh, that you have seen from last year compared to this year in, in responses? I haven't really dug into the data yet. Uh, you know, I've kind of glanced at it a little bit. There wasn't anything that really jumped out. One thing that's also new, another section, uh, is that we also are looking closer at the media. So we're asking people to rate DGN announcers, uh, sorry, commentators, and uh, and Jomez commentators. Uh, one thing that I hope we can deal with is, you know, there's a lot of, uh, when I'm designing the survey, and A, I'm getting a lot of feedback from uh, UltiWorld subscribers, uh, from the Discord, and also from Statmando people. So, you know, I don't come up with all these questions um, myself, but one thing I'm always looking for is what am I seeing on Facebook, on Reddit? Like, what are the posts that people are putting out, especially the stupid posts, which have absolutely no back, uh, data back backing at all. You know, these are people's gut reactions and sometimes things filled with vitriol, like, you know, how people react to certain commentators. Uh, and I think it's much better to look at, uh, get some stats behind that. And, you know, you take thousands of uh, disc golf fans, and ask them on again on a zero to ten scale, what do you think of these commentators? And that way we can actually look at numbers and we can actually see who do fans like. And we could even look at who do 
specifically DGN subscribers. Who do DGN subscribers like? And we can even drill down to that. What about FPO fans who are DGN subscribers? Who do they like? So we can get a better sense of which are the commentators that are more successful right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was excited about it last year. You're getting me too giddy about this. Uh, there's so much cool stuff to get to get from it. Um, uh, let's see if I'm, I'm kind of blanking here. I, I had a few more lined up, so I'm sorry, Nick. If you want to jump in, feel free. Um, how many? Well, okay, I'll I'll jump in while you're kind of gathering your thoughts. Is do you yeah, have a yeah. pretty good idea of? what your number is this year or what your number has or what your number will be versus what your number was last year on how many people are participating in this survey? Yeah, we had 1,502 last year. Okay. And this year we're already over 2,500. And mm-hmm. my hope is with, you know, this, uh, this final push here to promote the, to yeah. promote the survey, we can get over 3000 because we, we have plenty of survey, mm-hmm. survey data right now. So, mm-hmm. We've got the information we need, but what would be great is the things, the reason why I want to promote it more and get more respondents, I'd like to see how Isaac's numbers might change post-Worlds, because mm-hmm. most of our survey respondents are, a large majority of them are pre-Worlds. Okay. So how does his average fandom score change between pre-Worlds and post-Worlds? And same thing for Matty O. He's now won MVP Open, that's huge. How is that going to change his fandom score now yeah. that he is not doesn't have this whole you know can't win it uh, thing behind him? Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious about that. And at the same time, the more numbers we have, the more we can have people in uh, smaller demographics, such mm-hmm. as women. Like last year, we only had 60 women out of the, the 1,503 people who took our survey. Really, only okay. 60 were women, and so it's really hard to get. Uh, that's not enough of a sample size to to have conclusive answers. Um, And this year we have like 123 women. So we're starting to get into numbers where we can, you know, say Mm -hmm. how do women view players compared to men? Mm -hmm. Okay. So how long is this going on for? How much longer do people have to be able to do the survey? And then a lot of our chat is asking, where can they find said survey? Uh, Evan, I sent you, um, both a QR code and a link to that. Maybe you can drop that in the chat. Yeah, I sent the link to you, Ben. So if you see the, the chat in our uh, browser oh, right yeah. here, if you can, yeah, put that yeah, if you can copy, that copy and paste it and, and throw then, it down. And then if you can put it in our description on YouTube yeah, for the post listeners. But yeah, let me uh, send this QR code to Ben too. I don't know yeah, ben, I if it. you can put it up, but I'll at least bother. You got the QR code? So everybody in no. chat listening right now, I know Todd, you were asking about it. We are going to post the I link in our chat. Code up. You can put the link though, right? Yeah. I'm, we have I the link the in the chat right now for the survey. Um, so go ahead when you have a chance to do it there. And then we'll also put it in our YouTube description box for the post audio. Actually send it listeners. over. Maybe I can work magic. And um, I sent so the QR code that's where you'll be able to find it. So uh, awesome. yeah. I definitely fill that out. I would like to see that be well above 3000 responses. That'd be really cool to see. Mm -hmm. And of course, grow each year. Um, I just quickly looked at the survey just to think of a few things. And and one, uh, one thing I uh, picked out was the favorite courses on tour, which I know that's something I like to uh, get in heated debates about heated debates about. And we, of course, Maple Hill is a big subject. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, is that the number one course is your favorite? So seeing responses to that will be really cool. Uh, and then also there are a few questions about you as a player. Do you play, uh, are you a member of the PDGA? Do you play in PDGA tournaments? What division do you play? If so, of course, there's a lot to match up with that as well. If, uh, you know, most MPO players are throwing like Innova and Discraft while amateurs are throwing MVP and Prodigy. Like I, I'm just throwing things out, but mm-hmm. uh, if it lines up in that way at all, uh, that stuff gets exciting and is pretty valuable to uh, to manufacturers and uh, organizations and companies. Uh, good stuff there. Uh, Nick, do you have anything about uh, anything else about the survey? I do want to get to a few other things about Jesse. Oh, I think uh, Jesse, in your opinion, what is your favorite thing on the survey? Kind of like, what is your favorite question where you're like, yeah, that's the one that I'm looking forward to the most. And I think you kind of talked about a little bit, you know, with the height differences and everything like that. But if there's another thing, what else on the survey kind of pops out at you the most? Uh, I don't think there's anything in particular that, that jumps out to me for this survey. I mean, I, I'm really curious about the, uh, the DGN commentators. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if my survey is going to make any difference in terms of who who gets to you know cover more of the elite yeah. series events, um, but I do hope that what the fans think does take into it gets taken into account. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of these commentators are working really hard, um, and they've done a lot for disc golf. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it would be good if. Uh, it, if the what the fans think is taken into account when assignments are given yep no nope, i, totally I like to you. think on the bright side too and, and and hopefully it's not firing someone over this i don't think that's going to be the case but it's hey like this is the best you know commentator this that is our best like duo or yeah um yeah so uh, i think that can mean a lot and definitely be exciting for people uh so jesse i mean you said yourself at the start of this that you're not a writer just real quick the, the qr code oh. is just mention that if you can let, let, <laughs> yeah, let, let our listeners at, know if you're uh watching on video yeah. if you look at ben's face yep. currently you can no, see the qr well code. if you're listening on spotify is what i meant go head over to the video and you can see the qr code if you yeah. if you want to do it that way anyways okay yeah. sorry go ahead <laughs> great addition ben uh, <laughs> But no, no, that is that is good. Thank you. Because uh, I didn't know how to say it and you did. So, uh, but Jesse, you say you're not a writer, but I do want to say you, you do write some great articles. Uh, you do a good job, even if you're uh, not quite saying you are a writer. Um, you write plenty of other articles. Uh, is there any ones you want to highlight or any ones in the works that you want to kind of uh, give a sneak peek at? Uh, I mean, I'd say the, the most important thing I worked on I think was the trying to figure out the greatest disc golfers of all time, because before I did that project, I googled I googled top ten disc golfers of all time, and there was nothing online, uh, and maybe there was like some somebody's you know rant on you know uh, on on Reddit or or on Facebook, but nobody had actually tried to create a statistical ranking of players, not just based on major wins, and mm-hmm. so that was a project where I really dove in deep. And it's a little outdated now. I, I did that in, in 2020 and I updated it in 2021. Um, but uh, I've got an update for that that I'm hoping that we'll re- release at some point soon. Um, and I also created these things called the retro rankings with the PDGA. So I worked with Pete Christ at the PDGA and we, we took the world ranking formula and then we applied it to all these years before the world ranking formula was developed. So we were able to create world rankings for all the years of disc golf history, like back to 1978. 
And so we have those on the PDGA's website if you look for historical rankings. So that's a project I'm really proud of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and that predates Statmando too. So we're talking about who was publishing uh, some cool disc golf data uh, before us at Statmando. Well, Jesse was one of them. Uh, so that's very yeah, cool. Uh, and so go check that out, um, both through the PDGA, through Ulti World. Um, any any last uh, shout outs that you want to make, Jesse? Uh, I'm working on a couple of articles now. Uh, so I'm working on an article about what shoes pros wear. Um, mm -hmm. So I've got a lot of pictures of players' feet on my uh, phone right now. So. <laughs> we were talking about this at Worlds. <laughs> yeah, I'm passionate on that. Um, and uh, um, I also just interviewed uh, Idio's uh, owner, uh, Craig. Uh, so I've got that interview. Uh, I'm also doing a behind-the-scenes uh, with Gatekeeper Media, kind of what goes into making post-produced video you know what's very cool what does that look like behind the scenes and what's the business model like mm -hmm. um and uh then we'll be publishing a whole bunch of articles about the fandom survey very cool keep him busy yeah. then yeah so it's too much yeah <laughs> so, oh i hear you just yeah. some great content yeah. as soon as we're, we're getting close to the off season uh and the live disc golf may be done but we're gonna have uh plenty of stuff to stay up to date on uh thanks to all this uh cool stuff in the works yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. Hell yeah. That's what we like to well, hear. Appreciate you coming on, Jesse. Uh, thanks for joining the Nick and Matt show and sharing all the cool stuff. Thanks for having me, and I appreciate you uh, promoting the survey. That really helps and yep. will get us better data. One more time, chat. We have it in the live chat right now. And if you scroll back a little bit, you'll see the QR code or under. It's on my face. Oh, there again. you go. It's on Ben's face right now, once again. So check it out for all you post audio listeners. Jesse, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I'm very excited. Maybe we'll, uh, maybe the Nick and Matt show will take, uh, I'm sure Evan's already done the survey. I haven't yet, but maybe Ben and I, I will take it at the same time. For sure. Yeah. Very fun. I'll, rating players is tough because like I try to not have Favoritism. favorites. So like yeah. doing one, you know, yeah. a 10 or an eight or a seven, it's so hard. It's yep. so hard, but hopefully others, uh, have a little bit, uh, less like they're not working in, in data and publishing yeah. stats and all that stuff. It's, it's easier when you're not doing that. So oh God, yeah, I'm sure everyone else so. should have a lot more enjoyment than I did filling cool. that out. Jesse, thank you so much once again, and uh, we'll talk to you very soon. Looking forward to seeing the articles. Thanks again. Yep. Bye. Peace. All right. See you around, Jesse. Thank you. So just another awesome thing to do in the disc golf world. Like I said, check out the link that we posted in the chat. Ben, if you still have it, copy and paste it, post it again. And then we have the QR code that will randomly pop up here and there for all you post audio listeners. Um, check it out. I'm probably going to do it tonight and just see uh, see what it's all about. And I'll probably yeah, rate people Paul on their height. Simon yep. Zot 10, 10, and then 5 Chris and Tatar 10. Everyone else is oh, a 1. 10, everyone 10, else 10. is a 1. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I do have a lot of favorite players. I know we talk about Paul a lot. Paul's, Paul's you know, one of my best friends of all time at this point. And, uh, but I do have a lot of incredible players that I'm rooting for. If I'm not rooting, like if Paul's not at a tournament, I'm rooting for Simon. If for some reason Simon's not at that tournament or not in contention to win it, there's a lot of other players that I do love rooting for. And um, every yeah. si every single year during the MVP Open, we're uh, so lucky around here to where like Gannon and Cole were staying at Matt's house. I have people stay at my house every year. You know, I've been able to create a lot of friendships in the disc golf world. Adam and AB usually stay with me every single year. Um, I'm rooting for AB so bad right now. I just want to see. I love AB's family. I think AB is a great kid and. I just want him to win a silver series, a lead series, one. or a major, just one, and finally get that monkey off his back. Because I think when he does win it, I think we're going to kind of see that 
Ganon Burr style where they won one and now they're just consistently having a good year. Um, I think we will see that out of AB whenever it happens. So shoot, it could be two or three years from now. I'm hoping it won't be. But anyways, Evan, awesome job interviewing. Dude. Hey, first thanks. time just I mean, running the whole thing. I know, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah that was nerve wracking because like I ran out of questions. All that I then I thought of a few yeah, more and yeah. I was just like, I don't know what to do in this situation. Like that. Yeah. Hey, shout out to Matt. That's one of the I usually have to really interrupt Matt at. to get a question in for you. I was just like, things out of nothing. Take it away, Evan. All you. Yeah. Evan actually was the um, you know, a lot of the topics that we're talking about tonight, Evan had kind of brought everything together. We were thinking about different things besides the, you know, US Women's Disc Golf Championship going on. But I think right now is actually a pretty good segue into IDGC. What do you think, Evan? Yeah. I see that's great. We do have a few more giveaways to do. So Nick, we do. if you wanted to we'll talk about those at any time. We'll talk IDG, IDGC first, and then we're going to do another giveaway. So stick around after the IDGC talk. Uh, we are going to do another giveaway with the Paul McBeth Foundation. Acronyms, baby. Exactly. Dude, I know. I was like, <laughs> what did I say? I said, so when we were talking about our topics, I texted. And I was like, so USWDGC, IDGC, USDGC. I was like, any more acronyms that we can think of right now? <laughs> like, let's just keep talking. <laughs> and that's about the them. title of this podcast. Yeah. So, exactly. Acronyms galore. Big match show with Evan and Ben. But at this point, before we keep you know going off on a tangent, let's talk about the International Disc Golf Center. It's the headquarters for the PDGA. They had posted posted recently that wr jackson our beloved course for champions cup it's also been home to the hall of fame classic it is where the disc golf hall of fame is in appling georgia um god that that caught me by surprise it, it um it hits it is going to be very much changed uh they are having a pine beetle infestation it's very sad i have no idea how something like that comes about i don't know if there are ways to prevent it but i think the there. only way of stopping it is to cut down a lot of trees that are out there so that it has pine beetles you cut it down the pine beetles have nowhere to live and you hope you get rid of them that way they're an invasive species it stinks so it's closing for the time being for the time being so they're going to start i think in the next two weeks they're going to start the process of cutting down the trees which will probably i think the article had said nine acres of specifically the course i think it's 129 of 129 acres of the entire park property uh the park okay. uh spans more than what than the, the uh, pdga yeah. i believe leases is the correct term i don't it's the pdga doesn't own it but mm-hmm. i think it's a lease um so the overall park has a lot of trees that need to come down which we like trees everyone in disc golf likes trees like in a, a nature aspect so we don't like seeing that happen yeah. of course so Long story short, they have a massive infestation. They're going to be cutting down trees for the next five to probably eight weeks is what I would assume. I think that's what the article had said, or five to six weeks. Um, But this is huge because WR Jackson is, uh, it's... We'll be gone. The land will be there, of course. The land will be there. The course and... It'll look totally different because there's no trees. The course, WR Jackson is RIP rest in peace it's done um we'll never see it the same as we have if you've had a chance to play it um it's one of those nostalgic courses where it's just it's it's very fun it's very well designed it's a john hawk design um it's and it's also i think a very fun tour course uh we've seen some incredible chris dickerson and isaac robinson being two winners from it chris and tatar and Paige pierce isaac robinson drove down there and played it one last time on saturday So yep. it meant that much to him, of course, getting yeah. his first getting his major. First ever major. Yeah. And, 
And quick shout out, uh, Statmando Stat Elite Austin, uh, who's in Alabama, was planning a trip there uh, in a couple of months or weeks, and he and their friends were pretty much like, "Well, shoot, we got to go real quick." Yep. They uh, impromptu went this weekend. He ran into Isaac and said hi, which no, was cool. Oh, that's fire! That. Very cool. So yeah, so, and Aiden uh, Hopper. Shout out Aiden Hopper. He did the same thing. Uh, of course, shout out Aiden. Yeah, I don't um, know Aiden, so, but shout out Aiden. <laughs> so. so. The big news after this, uh, besides beloved W.R. Jackson uh, no longer being the course it is, is Champions Cup will no longer be in April of next year. They're moving the event to uh, October slash November. I believe it'll start on October 31st and then run into November through the weekend. Uh, It'll still be a major, but it'll be in the fall. Uh, MPO won't see a major until European Open, uh, and then we'll see uh, Worlds, USDGC, and uh champions cup fpo will still have a major in march in i believe austin texas but definitely in texas um so that that's one of the big news the pdga will be designing uh three total courses two championship level courses and a beginner level course that evan that Uh, probably like made your like ears twinkle and glisten they've already had a beginner level course ben so pdga knows how to do it because they're actually smart (laughs) <laughs> and they, which people love to hate on the PDGA, but they do know some things uh, more than some things, but I, I'm saying at the minimum uh, that it's always good to have a beginner level course and then also have a sick championship level course, Correct. have the whole spectrum. Yeah. Have it and all. That's what they're having Two champ. Yeah. Ben, we agree on this, even though we argue. I, on no, I, I don't argue. I just think it's funny. You just, we're oh, not talking about this. You, not, you it's love no, it's uh, two championship level courses. Uh, I, I said this as soon as I heard the news. It's incredibly saddening. I'm not I'm not trying to take away from any of the sadness of losing WR Jackson, but I am trying to look on the bright side of this is I think they could really design a killer set of two courses. Uh, I kind of I'm hoping for a one MPO course, one FPO course. So we kind of have two purely planned for each other mm-hmm. uh, for each division. Excuse me, not for each other. Uh, there also is the chance of having two different uh, courses for both MPO and FPO. I mean, both can work well. I do have my favorite, but I do think that they can have a fresh slate game is advancing so much. We now have spectators showing up. Think about how hard it is to get fans in the woods uh, with a fresh slate. They can now design uh, a layout with maybe bleachers in mind. Hey, this is mm-hmm. a nice clearing in the woods. This would be a good spot for a bleacher. Let's also figure out a good way to have this hole here. I've also been saying for a while, the lake is beautiful. Uh, yep. I, I know there was, uh, uh, is it the Warner course? Steady I forget Ed. which one. Steady, Steady Ed, Ed plays you. near the lake. Was near the water. If you watch like 2018 Hall of Fame Classic, what was the one with Jeff Brick playing with the um, rest of the touring pros? I think it might have been Macbeth on that too. Um, which it, it, just look up the Hall of Fame Classic and see some of the years that they're playing. I think they it would have been way before that too. It, it was obviously like too easy for yeah. today's MPO game, but the water holes are so cool and so scenic that. I'm hoping that they can somehow uh, with this new layout uh, bring in the water holes and uh, champions cup as phenomenal as it or sorry, WR Jackson as phenomenal mm-hmm. as it was, it was missing like a, a, a classic, like a good water um, hole, a good water hole. Like yeah. what, what's the most scenic hole in a course? Like you say, this is the signature blanking up. Signature, thank you. My goodness. I got you. Evan. Uh, We're homies. You, I got you. WR Jackson was missing like a signature hole. Yeah. And I think they have a chance to really design a killer one with, you know, one or two or a few signature mm-hmm. holes and really make 
you know, Champions Cup and the International Disc Golf Center what it is. I think yeah. I think personally this is a I think it's a blessing in disguise because you know there's a lot of talk about is this major going to stay at is uh Champions Cup still going to stay at WR Jackson yada 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 but is it too easy whatever. Um and I think this is the le- like the least resistance path because they have to do it. So then if they can make something great, imagine if they had to change it up and there there was uh no real reason to it would be a lot more people being like yeah like they just it. chose hey we're yeah. gonna redesign it yeah we're yeah. not gonna have it next april it would be bad news people would be furious but for yeah. spectators is what i'm mostly saying like it could be a great yeah. uh option to uh you know like you said get some more you know originally i think when champions cup was kind of in its infancy and we were talking about hey we got a four round major with two rounds of match play at the end of it this is going to be a rotating major i think originally it was actually supposed to rotate out to kensington which is where deglo is hosted um now i don't think that's really in the ballpark anymore i think everyone has kind of seen a lot of positivity from champions cup being at the idgc but now with this issue a lot of the chat is saying Hey, that's way too many majors at the end of the season. And also, this is once again, we're going to have three majors for the MPO division, at least, um, on the East Coast again. We're on the East Coast, the South East. We're going like, to hit the, yeah. We're going like to hit Virginia, Virginia North Carolina, or excuse me, Virginia, South Carolina, and then uh, Georgia. Kind of not, yeah, I don't like, think back to back to back, but at the same time, they are all it, within a two it'll be like and a half months span. August. Early yeah. October, late October, yeah, now, uh, or maybe middle to late August. Yeah, it, yeah, that is quick, and like it's going to be already hard it's to plan the schedule because they might have to go to Virginia and then up to the Northeast for Maple Hill and Smugs, and then mm-hmm. back down for USDGC. Maybe they go those first, and then Worlds, and then have a longer gap. I don't know what they'll do yet. Yeah. It will be a little awkward. No, uh, I know. And I do think three MPO majors in the Southeast is too much. I, I have yeah. my. Uh, my take on this but i don't want to cut you now is it too much right now because of the scheduling or is it too much because like it's three very different courses i'll say that um it's actually i mean technically looking at it it's it's four different courses and they're all actual like we have the world championships going to new london tech park and then also ivy hills which will be the golf course new london is it's kind of like six wooded holes six open holes six moderate like very wooded holes so six moderate six open six very and then um the golf course is going to play Number like a golf source does. Oh, that's so yeah. good. I know, right? Did you hear that? Yeah. Did you hear what I just yeah, said? No. I heard that you. is the number gold. of the beast. I'm, yeah. I'm the beast designed beast. it. Yeah. Like McBeast. Like, yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways. Six, 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 uh, no, I, I know. I know. I got it. So then oh, USCGC, okay. USCGC is played, <laughs> not dumb. you know, on a generally what you would consider a wide open course. And then WR Jackson, old WR Jackson, RIP. Yeah. is i'm just throwing out acronyms now um yeah is played on a wooded course so technically speaking you do have a large variety in those tournaments i think they're all just too close to each other scheduling wise i think, scheduling, and I think yeah. that's what a majority of people would say realistically you can yeah. have those three majors but you know have i, I don't know you, you can't have you can't have uscgc at the beginning of the year you can't have worlds at the beginning of the year at this point i mean the only one you would be able to move would be worlds and say hey let's play worlds in may you know like usdgc could be in the spring but because they're working with the university and yes. like this long-term lease i would understand i would assume excuse yeah. me i would assume it would be very hard to move that date yeah uh worlds, i've always i've always had this conversation i don't I don't like the idea of USDGC or Worlds being at the beginning of the season because I think players are still I, wiping off the rust. You know, they're yeah, kind of getting into the works. swing of things. I like it I, mid to late. 
I really do like USDC as the last major. I think it works yeah. well. I've thought about the idea of, oh, USDC in the spring, but that was a little pre-Champions Cup. Yeah. I think this is a good time, which actually, I one quick counter to three MPO majors in the Southeast in the season mm-hmm. is not just schedule, which is tough, also spectators. Like, not that I think the spectators will be like not a lot yeah. in any of them, but yep. it might be recurring fans. Um, if you're making long trips, like it, think about how cool it is. If the only major you have is eight hours away, you're like, I got to make this trip. I mean, think yeah. about smugs. So many people came from all it over. Was awesome. Uh, and Alaska. that's really cool. you get that. I met a guy who came from Alaska to insane. You, you get that because, uh, well, I mean, one smugs is a great venue places to stay, uh, absolutely beautiful. Uh, but also being kind of a specialty in its region. Uh, if there is a major at Maple Hill, um two weeks later like it's not going to be that well attended steve dodge even was curious at the numbers he thinks it might be a little bit weaker than the uh, mvp open trajectory of fans because worlds took away some which isn't isn't a bad thing Uh but it just happens that makes sense that brings me into my take is i have a take after you great the last time we had an mpo major on the west coast if i'm not mistaken was 2014 worlds oh no yeah, which we had uh, U.S. Women's in California in 2021. Of course, lots of thoughts about that. Um, uh, players, and I don't know it, how well attended it was. It was just post-COVID. Who knows if it would have got as many fans. Um, but it really feels like the West Coast is missing a major. And now I understand that it all depends on courses. We have some beautiful ones up at Glendevere. I could see Worlds being up there at yeah. some point. Um, and then, you know, maybe we, I don't know if, OTB open where it is at uh Swenson Park is major worthy. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. Um, but maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, but after that, it's like it's kind of hard to think of where worlds could be at this day and age. But yeah, I want to put the challenge out there because I think it'd be really sweet if Champions Cup was on a two-year rotation. Mm-hmm. The PDGA Southern California born. That's where like disc golf really came to be. Uh, baskets, the sport really originated. We have some long-term turn, uh, tournaments down there. We have some cool old school courses that might not work for a major, but just the history is there. <laughs> I think it should at least belong there in some capacity. Then of course, having the international disc golf center, the PDG headquarters in, in Georgia absolutely deserve it as well. So I think it would be cool if it alternates every other year. Um, and maybe we do like even years in California, odd years in Georgia, mm-hmm. kind of create this tradition of going back and forth. I think it would make it really, really interesting. And what you get with that is you're kind of starting to introduce this, like, hey, this tournament around this tournament's not here every single year. Like it's a big deal when it comes around. And you know, every two years it's still and the not spectators, too long to yeah. Play. And the spectators can also plan, you know, saying like, hey, in 2024, SoCal. Let's, you know, come up from Nevada. Let's come up from Arizona, all these different places. You know, we can now plan on it. Um, anywhere, uh, excuse me, I'm just sorry. I'm reading a chat and uh, people are yelling at me because I was using the word acronyms when they are abbreviations. Acronyms can be pronounced as a word like NASA. You're right. I understand that. Um, we're just kind of, it was a more of a I didn't fun. know that. It was more, I, 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 I think I knew that, but maybe I didn't at all. I but also, it's even true. I think but. we were, anyway, shout out Delta Warrior. Thank so you for calling me out. D-Glow is an um, acronym, but USDGC is an abbreviation. Yeah, sure. Yeah, which I don't know. I, I always thought it was so an acronym. I was always, I, I was also, excuse me, I was going to say this, this is my take, and then Ben, we'll get over to your take is, and we, we know this, Todd, you had kind of mentioned it in the chat as well. Clubs have to bid on Worlds. Worlds is only on the East Coast because this year, Just going into 2024, 
Would you say worlds or majors? Excuse me. Worlds. Okay. So we're talking about just a major being kind of like another three majors on the East Coast this year. Um, Not a lot of places put in bids for worlds for the 2024 season. A lot of times it is kind of not, I don't want to say the same, but not a lot of places have put in bids for worlds because of how much goes in to running the world and hosting that and everything like that it's tough that's why the last time we had worlds out in oregon was in 2014 i mean yeah especially with the sport is now compared to 2014 like yeah we had worlds in kansas last year you're playing on two separate golf courses you can fit a lot of spectators especially working with the town on different areas to park some places just don't have that and it's so much tougher to figure out hey how is this all working with parking and spectators and players and everything like this and so it just kind of worked out to where once again, there are three majors, but I will say this for when those three majors happen, they are on, I would say, very different types of courses. It won't be boring to watch. It's not like we're playing four golf courses in a row or like four USCGCs in a row. We have a big variety in 2024 of what we are going to see uh, in those majors. Ben, go ahead. Yeah, so I think I think for like, I agree with Evan. It's one, it's two, it's way too schedule wise, too populated. People are going to get exhausted and it's just going to be a lot on the touring player's brain, just mentally wise, just playing major after major after major. And I liked Champions Cup. I kind of saw Champions Cup as like the, like the Las Vegas of major. It's something like eased in people the season. It's not like a crazy major where like, like it's still a major, but it's not a crazy major where you're throwing these insane shots and it, it, it's mentally taxing. I'd say it's one of the, you know, you can score really well at WR Jackson. So it's kind of like, that's yeah. what I really liked about like Champions Cup. It was like a major where you could, it started to ease and then you build up to Worlds and you see cheese and that's like the boom. And that's why I think, well, the along with the history, I don't think you uh, Champions Cup has as, as much like merit to it. Um, right now but um yeah i honestly i think that's all i was gonna say i i I had something else but i honestly forget what i was gonna say but yeah that that's it champions cup i i think i I just can't stop thinking about this west coast idea i had i'm sorry i gotta go back to it let me me go back on that i think i think that's i i've never thought that i think that's a really cool idea it could be like it's so-called champions cup but it's like the, the history cup it's like it's like it's like you play yeah. where like this golf like started and meant something. As long and, as we don't call it the history. No, no, no. I, I, it could be called because <laughs> yeah. I'm not called. on board with that. The, but but it's it's something. That's what I'm saying. It could yeah. be something like like yeah. that. Could be it's kind of like niche, like it's specialty where it's like, oh, like you get to go play where the stomping grounds of this golf started. And uh, what's yeah. the course where the wintertime open is? Oh, Grove. Oak Grove. Is that the first course in existence? Is where the wintertime open is? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Wow. Okay. I knew it was that an is early not course, a world's worthy they, course. But I'm just saying, imagine. <laughs> play on the first, yeah, right? Um, play on the first <laughs> well, course okay. ever. There you go. That's one of those par 54 and courses what, that Simon always Simon, wants. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if, yeah. if that. Maybe I don't think it's a par 54. 54 don't course. get me wrong. But um, okay. That's fair too. I don't know if that's like there, there are par 54 courses or yeah. like types of courses that yeah. could work. I don't think that one's it, but it would be really cool to see. I would guess it would have to be, it, maybe it's a four round, you know, half on a part yeah. 54 old style course and half on a uh, ball golf course. I would guess if you're going to SoCal, likely it's going to have to be on a uh, private property, like a yeah. ball golf course. Yeah. And as cool as I like this idea, don't nobody tell me it should be a La Mirada. Like La Mirada's cool. The history's there. 
you're not hosting uh, uh, an elite event, let alone a major event there yes. anymore, unfortunately, with the uh, amount that it weaves through the public. There's a reason why the memorial is not on the tour. Um, it's the same with La Mirada, unfortunately. Yeah, well, yeah. well we only have one moving major, and that's Worlds. I mean, I think that's a little... Well, one and a half, because U.S. women's for FBO. True. Yeah. But I, I, I think, well, we can count two. But I, I think that's a, that's a, a little, it's a little ridiculous that we don't have at least one more move, moving one. Can you, can you look up online or chat, maybe mention this? How many courses, or excuse me, how many majors rotate for golf on the PGA Tour? Uh, the Masters doesn't. I. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. This is no. I'm genuinely curious. How like, many, I, I want to so, know how many majors rotate. Now, now the thing like, I, I want to know. know I, I want to know how many majors rotate. So, like, I, you know, three, for people answering this, the Masters yeah. play the same course every year. The other three courses rotate, so they have three rotating. So they have three yeah. rotating majors with one consistent. So realistically, you look at our USDGC. That's our consistent every single year. It's like, that's our masters. You win a ring, they Correct. win a jacket. Yes. That's our masters. Okay, let's just say that. Now, Champions Cup, Worlds, and European Open should all technically be moving. European Open should be played at a different European, let's say, you know, country and, you know, different courses and that, everything like that every single bad, year. Yeah. Champions Cup moving around every single year. Um, and with this, Nick, is like... I I, I understand like what a lot of pros say is they don't like rotating majors because it's th there's a little bit more inconsistency in disc golf because like we talked about clubs earlier, it's a lot to run a major. Uh -huh. you, you can easily have a, a not well run major if you have to rotate it all uh -huh. the time. I think we can kind of come to a happy medium here, which not that I'm going back to my uh, east west rotating major idea, but you can have like a, a set closed course. Yeah. Uh, of rotating majors, if that makes sense. As in you have, if it's every two years, if it's every five years, um, like I think European Open could be one where, I mean, it's the European Open, but is it is it really the Finland Open? Because it's always in uh, exactly. Nokia or yeah. uh, Tampere. Which it won't be in a couple uh, of years. Don't get me wrong. It won't be. but It'll it, still be in that area. Yeah. It'll still likely yes. be in Finland. But it'd be yes. cool if that like hop from like a rotation of three to five European countries obviously people love the beast but as you said it's moving maybe this is the opportunity just like uh international disc golf center has the opportunity to change it up mm -hmm. maybe this is the opportunity to then have it rotate between i know the Koenig peach day was an open but maybe that is the european open one year then one year it goes to Tampere, which still has fantastic courses outside of uh, nokia and the beast maybe it goes to sweden or norway or germany or other options like that i think that could be really cool but i i think it's hard for it to be a rotating uh major in the sense of there's 50 different possibilities in every possible state and yeah. country around the world i think that is tough but i think a closed circuit of rotation yeah, i is like i like worlds getting the bid i think yeah like european open maybe there's so if you look in the top 100 udis there's so there's a maybe in there i don't even know but there's a lot of european courses that are like spectacular that have don't really get highlighted on the pro tour. Like I, I think it's a no. I, I think Europe tour has highlighted so many and they haven't even hit all of them. But there's so many on the Europe tour I that think are awesome. Yeah. European Open is like the most no-brainer one to move it every year, it, and it would be a destination major. I think it would cause people more people to actually go to these majors because it'd be like, oh, I'm never probably going to be in let's say Sweden ever again. Let's let's do this major or or, or because it's I'm about it. It's more like a destination. Yeah. All right. Well, looks like All you right. guys are going to work for the PDGA. 
and start moving majors around. Uh, no, realistically, though, I mean, if we're talking about they are PDGA majors, this is something where for the PDGA, it, yeah, I get it. A club bids on worlds and everything like that. But the PDGA should be doing everything and anything, not saying that they don't, but everything and anything to make that worlds or potential rotating majors in the future a kick ass event in and of itself. Um, yep. It is That'd a PDGA sweet. major. If they're only running because the Disc Golf Pro Tour sucked up the national tour, the PDGA doesn't have to worry about that anymore. The Pro Tour has that covered. Let the Pro Tour do what they do. They come out to every single Elite Series event, they set up, they break down, you know, they do all these things. Same thing with the PGA. If you're only going to run four events a year, you should be at every single one of those until well, you've built up. In their defense, they do run, uh, like, I believe, U.S. Amateurs, Amateur Worlds, Pro Masters Worlds, Tim Solinsky. They, they run okay, so other let's say, let's say, yeah, I, I don't know the exact number, but let's say but 10, I, 10 I understand events. your point. Yeah, okay, I got you. Is that you can get to a point yeah. where the PDGA is the staff running those. Look, dude, they're running right. ads on Twitter I, now. They're making the money. They got it. <laughs> I'm just yeah, not making uh, the money. <laughs> that's a whole other subject, yeah, but I don't think we're we not getting for. into should we uh, throw it into a giveaway before we uh, give oh, yeah, a true. Let's do it. Good point, good point, good point. Let's throw it into a giveaway. We got two more giveaways coming up. One of them right now. Evan, pick a number one through ten. Well, let's go four. Bang. That's Start actually calling. funny enough. That's what I was going to say. Caller number four, if you get onto the show, you are going just to funny, win. Just like, I don't like the number four. I just don't, you know? Like, yeah, when you no, pick I numbers you. for sports. Uh, like, the fourth caller, you're going to win a 20-year buzz from Discraft. Start calling. Ooh. So, start calling in. Evan, what's our next subject? You were talking about more stuff. We well, got, oh, no, we got a preview. We got to do what? an uh, early preview of USDGC and Throw Pain. Yeah. So, I know we've been bang, bang, bang to end the season. We do have a week off. So, we will not have any events this weekend, but USDGC starts early. Yeah. I'll kick it off with they, of course, are, are notable for their qualifying for both USDGC and Throw Pink. But I got word that there is the U.S. distance competition, which will be on the Monday, so not today. I'm guessing mm-hmm. it would be next Monday from 1 to 6 p.m. I, If I heard this correctly, anyone can register and see how far mm-hmm. you can throw. Mm-hmm. You have to register at usddc.com. Oh, that's, that's uh, there's awesome. a five-hour window. So if if that's not true, I'm sorry for reading it wrong, but yeah. uh, that is pretty sick. Our, so. our caller's on the line. Ben, you get a caller. Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. You are live on air. What is your name? Hi there, my name is McDaniel. McDaniel, congratulations. You are the fourth caller, and you are going to win a 20-year stamped buzz. Are you excited? Thrilling. Awesome. Yeah. He's thrilled. Great. McDaniel, where are you from? Minneapolis. How long have you been listening to the show? Uh, about a year. Nice. Have you heard what we are doing with the Paul McBeth Foundation and the Fight for the Forgotten Foundation? I absolutely have. Awesome. Incredible stuff going on there. McDaniel, thank you so much for calling to the show and congratulations. And Are there any questions you want to ask Ben or Evan? Uh, you know, no questions. Just uh, right. appreciate y'all. And, McDaniel, uh, McBeth. I love what y'all do for the community. Exactly. McDaniel, appreciate it so much. Oh, can we, uh, McDaniel, before you go, just text me your, at, your exact address where you are right now so I can find you. Yep. GPS location. Yes, appreciate right. y'all. McDaniel, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for calling. Right. It is that See, easy to win a 20-year buzz. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, I don't unreal. even have a 20-year buzz. Insane. Yeah. I asked Paul to get me some when he was at Discraft. Never got any, so I'm going to have to try to get some when he I left go up Discraft? There. Yeah. No, when he was up there. No, um, so I'm going to have to go up there <laughs> and get, a- get my own now. Of course, all thanks to the Paul McBeth Foundation and yes. Fight for Forgotten. Uh, the link to donate is still open. Mm-hmm. As Ben said, it's in the YouTube description, YouTube chat. Yep. Uh, podcast description, maybe too. Yeah, uh, all the good stuff. So uh, all of it. 
I, I, I don't know if I misspoke or not, but I think it's still open for registration. Maybe if you head to usddc.com, I don't know if, if you're legit and, and there's about, no hey, cap. I can grow far. Um, I go to usddc.com and figure out for yourself. That's going to okay. be the best way to figure it out. But you can, uh, uh, if you don't register, you can at least watch the farthest distance, uh, farthest throwers in our sport from one to 6 PM next Monday. That's Eastern time. So that is a good uh, intro to the Nick and Matt show. Go ahead there when you're in Rock Hill and then come in and watch the Nick and Matt show next Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick, you if you wanted to go uh, throw, Chris is like, hey, Nick, if you want to be the U.S. distance champion, yeah, could be you. I have a better shot of winning the U.S. Open. Just kidding. No, I don't. In golf? No, I don't. I'm just, I'm just throwing just random stuff no. out there. I have no chance of ever in my life winning a distance competition. You can throw a disc pretty far. You just need a little bit of a hurricane. Not that I'm wishing a hurricane to come hit. Yeah, let's not uh, wish just, just for that. In my, I, like, I'm ten not seconds. Go ten seconds but, after dude, he throws the hurricane. I'm come. so sick yeah, of yeah. the bad weather it, that we've it, been having. Then it's gone. Yeah, but, then it's gone. Like ten, yeah. That's what I meant. Ten seconds after. Yeah. It's gone. Boom. No, I'm not going to laugh myself out of the room like that. I'm good. I know my uh, strengths and weaknesses. USDGC <laughs> obviously been a, a long time event, but the course changes uh, very often. Mm-hmm. We got to hear a little bit about it last week, and uh, the tournament director <laughs> didn't even know if the uh, course was having changes. I've heard some news about the caddy book looking pretty similar to last year, but it did have this asterisk like course is subject to change. Like uh, it, it's not an official caddy book. They will make it official before. Uh, practice starts but i think yeah. uh there might be still some secrets up their sleeves we'll see we'll find out a little bit more next week yeah. um but one thing i wanted to throw out is of course throw pinks run along this uh-huh. kristen tatar she played usdgc one year in mm-hmm. mpo back before throw pink um otherwise she finished second in throw pink it. last year yep. when katrina was on fire and mm-hmm. and beat her outright but has never won this event so MVP open. She's now never won. She's only played this event technically once throw pink and has it won. So that's going to be the storyline for Matt oh, yeah. to uh, not be able to hate on. If yeah. uh, Kristen Tarr can't win this one, not that I'm betting yeah. against her, but I almost want to like keep going on that conversation that we were having with Matt earlier. Cause I think there's so many things you can talk about with it, but I know I we're kind of beating a dead bush. At I, that think, point, I think Matt, but... Matt, I think Matt's take is because he he he's an old time old head disc golfer and um he's he's went through the Paul McDeath Ricky and I think that excitement probably just faded away from him. I think that's why he has yeah. a take. All of us are well. I don't know. I don't know about Something's it. wrong with him in the head. That's all I know. <laughs> I think that's what it is. I, I think <laughs> I'm at least we're fresh. Not, we're not getting back onto this, but yeah, we did talk to the tournament director Jonathan Poole, JP. We had him on the podcast last week. So if you guys want to hear a little bit more about that? We had about a 15 or 20 minute interview with him. So go check out our latest episode, episode 157. About yurts only. And uh, yeah, we were talking about the yurts, all the things that they're doing. I almost want to go to USCGC strictly for just the hangout aspect of it. Um, it seems like there's a ton of stuff going on this year, and it sounds actually hella exciting. We gave away some VIP passes to people that were actually in Rock Hill. Funny enough how that worked. They got VIP passes to go to the USCGC this year. So just one of the benefits of watching the Nick and Macho live is you get a potential chance to win something uh, with all these giveaways that we've been doing. The giveaways that we're doing with the Paul McBeth Foundation right now, by the way, um, someone did ask this in the chat. We are not giving away the discs. Technically, the Paul McBeth Foundation is, and they will be signed by Paul McBeth 
Which himself. is way cooler than us Ooh, signing it. Yeah. We should have led I with mean, that. Paul McBeth. Yeah, I totally Let's forgot go. to say that. Anyways, it is getting That's signed by Paul. That's the best part about it. Yeah. I mean, no. Yeah. I mean, 20-year uh, buzz is, is well, pretty stupid. He asked us to sign his disc. Yeah, exactly. And we were I like, mean, uh, if you want to, look, if you want to ship it better. to us, we'll pay for the shipping. If you want to ship it to us, we'll sign it for you. We'll ship it back. So, I got to work on my autograph. It's so bad. For all the autographs that you're signing? I've signed yeah. like 10. How do you write the I in intern? Do you do like the, I don't know. Uh, I don't do intern. I write my name. <laughs> I write my name. What do you what do you I mean? I'm, I'm not you. even known as the intern. I'm now known as Simon Time Lapse Stone guy. At least right now. That's true. There you go. Yeah, and your your middle <laughs> yeah. host, Ben Kenny. I'm only uh, saying that because like the amount of people that came come up to me and MVP and fist bumped me was probably like 20. Like, yo, nice, nice, nice stone with the time lapse. I'm like, Thank you. Hell yeah, brother. Um, I think that was kind of a quick little recap on the throw pink, the USCGC. Now, I think next week we're going to dive a little bit more into the picks with it. We've got, I probably will get some more stuff to talk about with it. Um, yeah, I'm hoping for some course changes. Like yeah. people, people love to hate on the mozzarella sticks or uh, spooky Christmas trees, which apparently weren't supposed to be spooky. If you remember that, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say this. I'm not really a hater of those like i wish they okay they were awful on hole two years ago when they were two feet from the basket i think i wish they looked better and they were a tad too close but i love the idea and i want to see more like i i truly think like maple hill with all the christmas trees i truly think they should have a uh use the christmas trees on the green to an advantage and like not within five feet but i do think it should be like if you think about a shot, where's the easiest place to land? Like easiest, boringest, like bringing back Matt and boring golf. Yeah. Put Christmas trees there or what USDC did is exactly what they did. They put mm-hmm. mozzarella sticks on the side where it was easy and boring and safe to land yep. to then say, Hey, you can land in the boring position, but now your putt has a chance at being tough where you can push the hard side and have a chance of the throw but if you're there it's easy and people always got to be like oh the mozzarella sticks are lucky but like this is the sport we play it's about like minimizing the chance of luck or like mm-hmm. the minimizing the risk of luck and that's like woods golf woods golf people are like it's lucky if you throw a dead down the yeah. fairway there's no luck about it it's only luck if you throw a non-perfect shot if you are a little bit off you could miss everything and get down to the green and you got lucky or you could be off your line and you hit a tree and go kicking off the fairway that is luck but that's for a yeah. non-perfect throw we throw around the word perfect so often in the sport of disc golf. The commentators do it and they're like, oh, a perfect upshot by so-and-so. I'm like, no, that wasn't a perfect upshot because a perfect upshot would have gone in the basket. That's what well, perfection realistically is. No, upshots from 200 feet and in, a perfect upshot goes in the basket. That's how no, you get the best like, score. Like like Kenny would always say, the best uh, shot in disc golf is one that lands 10 feet short of the basket. That's like, the goal. I don't know. That's the exact opposite That's of gold. what commentators, some commentators will yep. say. The commentators I'm not like, arguing what they say We'll say, now, we'll say like Carl agree. Cubbage back in the day on Disc Golf Monthly, he'll say all the players should be throwing just a little bit past the basket because then they gave it a shot to go in. Maybe you get lucky. Maybe it throws in. If you throw short every time, you got no shot. That's fair. Hey, th- yeah. hey I will Evan, say- I just want to... Thanks, thanks for quoting me, bro. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite quotes, uh, That that uh, but I appreciate it. The uh, 10-foot short, that's me, Kenny. And Kenny. 
My quote. <laughs> oh, goodness. Come on. I totally didn't know we're going with yeah, that. Yeah, I know. I saw you uh, blank, so I had to explain it. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think we, and the reason I kind of bring that up originally was um, uh, Maple Hill got so much traction when it came to how the course played this year. A lot of pros talking about certain things. Wow. Hole nine was a new hole. So many things were talked about this week. Hole nine was crazy. You know, if Maple Hill. good at playing disc golf as they were complaining, everyone would have beat Matty O. Agreed. I, I say that in jest, but like yeah. there is some truth to it. I mean, realistically, though, I mean, people are talking about throwing perfect. You don't have to throw a perfect shot every single time. You really don't. Yeah, I don't. You I don't just like have that. to throw like, a great shot, even a good shot. Now, someone will say like, oh, I hit a tree 380 feet down the fairway. OK, you didn't throw the day like, uh, you know, off to the right. OK, well, you threw the disc too hard. Then it flipped over too much. That wasn't the intended yep. line. Like hole 16 at Maple Hill is same thing with like hole three. There are a lot the of Kevin holes at Maple Hill that I love, hole. but the Kevin Jones slip base hole um, hole 16, I think, is such a beautiful hole. You see players like Calvin Heinberg throwing eagles on it. You see Kevin Jones throwing like flippy D2s on it. It's just it's a really, really cool dead straight shot that you got to throw it over 400 feet on a rope to get to the bat. I think it says it plays like 510, but it's obviously slightly downhill. But players are just throwing these laser beams. Now, people Lasers. are getting mad because they turned it over or like didn't turn it over enough and they're going out of bounds or they're hitting a tree. I'm like, you didn't throw the intended shot. Now, it's very realistic to actually throw that shot. You don't have to throw it perfect, but to get through and get out to circle two, circle one. So then it's like, okay, what yeah. do we consider a perfect shot? Is that getting into circle one every single time? I just think that there's so many different like Maple Hill... People have talked about the flukiness of it. And when I walked it this year, and I haven't played Maple in a hot minute, um, but as kind of walking it and watching players play it this year, I mean, there are holes that I don't like, don't get me wrong, but it didn't feel fluky to no. me. Just players were throwing good shots. Yeah, flu, flu, or bad shots. Fluky to me is like is like a a fairway where it's like like ex like just there's a gap you hit and there's a bunch of trees in front of that gap. That's looking to me. Yeah. I think there are those courses, but it's not. I think Maple, Maple Hill, Hill has has a direct. I think it has a direct line on every hole that you see that you have to hit, and it's up to you whether you hit it or not. People and yeah. this and is this is also kind of coming from Westy Acres right now too, where you know he had said in the chat hole oh six boy, at Maple Westby. is trash. Now, <laughs> I, okay, <laughs> we've heard okay. players we play this. Get off this we've, because we've I'm heard players. Be here all night. Oh, so hold on. No, we've, let's no, 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 wait, wait, let's wait. go. We, we've heard players talk about this. Gannonburg, hold on. They they don't like hole six, and I'm I'm trying to hate on hole six, but I just I can't. I actually really like the difficulty of hole six because it is not a long par three. It is not. There are two different gaps to get to the basket on hole six. You can either throw it dead straight about 350, 360 feet, and you will have potentially a circle one or a circle two putt, and that is a good shot on the hole. Or you can try to turn it over a little bit and get clean through the right side gap and get even closer to the basket. But I love it because it is also, it's not a 550 foot par three or 480 foot par three or 430 foot par three. That's really hard to get to because it's just pure distance. This is a very technical hole that creates, you know, scoring you separation. The entire reason why scoring pros, separation. pros and I'll say players, not just pros, because I go to hole six as the same thing, whether I'm playing red, white or blue or gold or diamond. You, you know why they hate hole six and they cannot say it's fluky. They cannot say anything except for no matter what your game plan on that hole is, you're scared out of your mind yeah. because it's, it's hard. If you're playing for birdie 
It's incredibly scary. It's so scary, and it's a high likelihood. Even if you're playing for par, it's scary. You can't even play for par. That's where I'm going. If you're playing for par, it's an easier shot. It's a safer shot, but it is still freaking scary. And pros don't like being scared. They don't like having the stress. I don't blame them because if I was at that level, I would be saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. I don't like doing that at my average course. Ben's heard it enough. Ben, I don't (laughs) need any counters to this. But when we're we're seeing the, uh, when we're analyzing games from the outside, which we all are, none of us were in the field at MVP Open, we can then uh, see it differently. And I think that's what it is here is when you're seeing it from the outside, you're like, hey, I don't have to have these stress levels. So it makes for good disc golf to watch. And that's yeah. what it is. It's not for the players. You can, act, I, when people, when pros actually say they love a course, I actually will then doubt if it's a good pro tour course. And I'm going to say this Fox run. I have a little bit of doubt if it's a good pro tour course because pros like you, Nick, love it. And to oh, me, it's not hurt. scary oh, enough. Nick, get ready. Nick. Like, Holy I, crap. It's, it's definitely not scary. I, enough. Up some I, I, I totally agree. But it's yeah. the very course of the world. I'm yeah. not scared. I'm like, hey, I can easily get a part here. I know, actually, hole six at Fox Run. I'm like, I should get a hole six I'm is the worst scared. hole in the course. It's a filler. That's hole. an outlier. Yeah, that's an outlier. But take there the, are take holes the other at Fox 17 yeah. where I'm having fun, which is, hey, yeah. a Smuggler's Notch is a destination course. That's exactly what you want. But Smuggler's Notch, the Pro Tour slash World's level course, I do think it needs to be a different standard. So I, it's, it's not about Fox Run, yeah. not about Maple Hill as much as it should. We Maple, are making it. Excuse be. me. Well, and it like this Fox Run is not the hardest Pro Tour course out there by any means. I just think it's the most enjoyable to play, and I have the best time when I'm playing. And that's yeah, I, I, I'm I, doubting that one. Yeah, bit. I don't think I've said that it's the best Pro Tour course, but I think I have said that it. Oh, it's I, your I, you said it's your favorite course, not the best category of course. Um, yeah, Todd, I think New London, once players play it, is a pro tour level course. Um, From what I've anyways. seen, I agree with that. New yeah. London looks like a course where, uh, I don't know if every hole, but there's a lot of holes where you're like, I'm I'm nervous for whatever I'm yeah. going to try to do here. The first six and of them especially. Yeah, the first we, six We want them. more nerves. Like, like yeah. yeah. This golf, like... I want players NPL, to think about, about their about shots. We talked about an FPO that, like, it feels like the whole field besides Christian Tatar feels like that. I think MPO uh, doesn't have enough courses where it feels like the whole field like is really just like nervous on shots. Yeah. And, and, and we say a whole MPO field. I think we got to include own with mm-hmm. uh, Kristen Tatar, just, you know, Tatar wins more often. Yeah. Uh, but I just, that's a good thing, but it's just because that some people are beating it, that it then seems like a bad thing rounding it out to the conversation earlier. We just need more stressful courses, but the good stressful, yeah. not the, not the I, I mean when I when so I was subjective within this yeah. too so it's tough to talk about when I was at Worlds last year I mean a lot of players were saying like I don't understand why people are screwing up and we're talking in Portia Country Club and they're like I don't understand why people are screwing up all you do is take 70 feet less of distance and you just throw a spike hyzer in the middle of the fairway like that's how players were thinking about playing those courses it's just spike hyzer on a forehand or a backhand yeah. I'm like golly dude I know a couple holes don't offer that but I'm like man that is just such boring it, disc it, golf yeah it's not like Fox run for me kind of feels like that because I don't have the distance to go for it. So it's yeah. just, well, it's not quite that yeah. level. I'm I, not comparing it. To Emporia, I think the thing with Fox, around. Fox run standalone, like it wouldn't be on tour. I think it's the complex that you have. Oh, this, the complex is huge. And it's then also, amazing. Fox run. Okay. Fox, not the, Fox run not the complex of smugs. I'm saying more the, than you know, just the, the back to back where it's Brewster, like a beautiful yeah. wood. And then you get this beautiful, you're in a meadow. Playing disc golf in the open. Yeah. Anyways, Nick, go ahead. Boxes I, are running. I want to. I want to kind of throw this. I've been talking in the chat all night, but Donald McLaughlin saying too many birdies and not enough pars in disc golf need more par holes. I can 
somewhat agree with you on that, but at the same time, I don't want to see like 580 foot par threes or 490 foot par threes just over and over and over to where people yep. are just ripping shots to be fair 24 7 like i don't want really to see so many tweeners that like three people are burning it around or two people are burning it around like we had that at glendivere this year where one of the holes everyone just took a three on it with maybe one or yep. two twos on it and that's just that's horrible. the worst that's the worst now at that's the same the worst time you can get we don't have big enough properties right now to have a lot of better par fours a lot of our courses are in parks and they're designed as you know maybe as well as they can be but we don't have you know like 250 acres just design a perfect par four par five style course with some par three sprinkled in there we just we we don't have that right now um and and with that like thought of like there should be more pars i when I was like really, really getting into like pro level disc golf, like, I mean, I think back to like, I think it was probably 2018 Kona Peach Day. I remember mm-hmm. watching that and scores, yeah. winning score was like negative 58 or whatever for yeah. Eagle McMahon. And I'm like, oh, like, I don't, like, I, I love uh, uh, Kona Peach Day, mm-hmm. but I'm like, I just hated those scores. And I was, I remember yeah. just like, disc golf needs to figure this out. It needs to figure yeah. this out. I've come a long, well, I've come a long way. Again, this is subjective yeah. uh, to then like really realize, you know what? Like disc golf, like it's a different mentality than golf scoring. It, it's not necessarily deuce for die, but like birdies just, it just happened a we lot are more. Birdie, type of, birdie, birdie yeah, or die. It's more birdie heavy sport. It just is what it is. Like we can talk about, hey, we need to make putting harder, but that is like, a big reason why sure we can do things to make putting harder but it's always going to be easier than golf it always is we it we you're literally putting from an elevated stance you have no ground play when you're putting of course you can bring in more things to uh make it tougher uh hillsides and you're also not hitting a, a tiny stick with a tiny ball it, yeah it's it, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's it's just it's different the challenges off the tee like you're gonna if you have you it in order for it to be a good hole, you're still going to have enough players breaking through mm-hmm. to get it. And there's that fine line. It's just, we have to think about a different mentality. We can have harder courses like Northwood black does a good job of it, uh-huh. but it's not easy. And if our whole tour is Northwood black, people would be complaining like crazy. Uh, so it's, it's time and place for things. It's sometimes it needs to be birdies. There's a whole lot of, a lot of things. I'm not really putting my thoughts together the best, but I think I made some good points. I, th- I, th- I get what you're saying. And, and we, we definitely don't need to go to golf to where we have to be par 72 courses, par 71 courses throughout the tour. We definitely, you know, don't need to make our par fives eagleable and our par threes, you know, hard because that is how golf is played. Generally the par threes are better to score on, excuse me. The par fives are better to score on than the par threes. Um, the sport is just incredibly harder than disc golf is. Don't get me wrong. It is um, golf versus disc golf. It is way harder. We don't need to be like that. I actually do enjoy watching. Like I like seeing a lot of birdies. I don't like seeing a lot of tweener holes that just suck course design wise, but you put a hole out there that people can attack and have a good time with. I'm in, you know, I like seeing you know people what? shoot. I like people shooting, you know, 12, 13, 14 down on a pro tour course. Cause you're like, golly, man, as someone who's played a lot of them, like the tour courses, I can look at that and be like, dude, that's a sick round. What's that going to be rated? Like 1080, 1090? And then you just and, know and, it's a good round. And for me, that's the preserve. I think I think every event, I think if it's spread out and there's enough, I think variety is good. Like to me, that's preserve. Birdie or die course. Man, you're uh, speaking my language I here. think Maple Hill, there's a perfect uh, placement for Maple Hill. I think there needs to Except be- for ver- whole 18. I'm just saying, I think there needs to be, I'm saying the event. I think there needs to be variety there. We need birdie or die courses. We need tough courses. We need golf courses. We need fully wooded courses. I just think 
I just think that makes more excitement. It makes more people fan of, of the sport. Imagine if we were playing all on golf courses this whole time. It'd be like, yeah, like okay, I've seen this. All right, now tell me we, this. We've seen this in the past, like in 2021, yeah. but I like I think the tour has really kind of grown and become a good uh, tour of variety. Now, like me personally, we could have a little bit more woods, but I think it's in, uh, I think we're at a good state. And I want to say this and kind of rounding it out, but Nick, I know you were about to say something more, so you can bring it back out if mm-hmm. you really want. I thought U.S. women's at the regulator was phenomenal scoring. The hot round for the entire weekend was eight down by Owen Scoggins. Mm-hmm. She had an ele- she had eleven birdies, three bogeys, and four pars. Like that should be the hottest round in a weekend. Like not quite double digits, but a lot of birdies. That's totally attainable. If you give these women a shot next year, I'm sure someone could beat that, but it would probably be about the same uh, range. You saw the all the women at the top all had so much green, uh, getting a lot of birdies. It. It just looked like good scoring, but it wasn't like we're watching like 16 down when the tournament like there is uh, levels to it. So I thought that was phenomenal. Again, big shout out to the crew at uh, U.S. Women's in North Carolina. They did fabulous. And the women playing the event put on a show. I'm excited to watch some coverage for that tomorrow when I'm sitting in my truck at work. We'll actually get some time to be able to watch it. So there you go. Um, I think the last thing that I was really going to say on it, and this is in an unrealistic world, but if we took every single tournament, made it two different courses, one golf course and one course at like Maple Hill. What if we put the second course at Kettlebrook? You know what I mean? And then we have the best of both worlds. We have a wooded course and we have an open course. Do you think that's that, possible? I mean, for every single event to do that, no. But I'm talking about in like a perfect world. I like I like seeing two course tournaments. I think the variety changes up, especially on four round events. One of my favorite reasons why I like Ledgestone um, is because you have two completely different style of courses, and Smugglers they're Notch both or GMC Smugglers Notch. Yeah, GMC. Um, Glendevere was two different courses, but I can't, I couldn't tell you the yeah. difference. And I know this was there the were first two year. Great courses, but they're yeah. kind of the same style both times. Yeah. So it's not um, the same. Yeah, it's not the same, but it is a good setup. Do we have a? With this, I might be not thinking, but do we have a? Two cores, but they're both wooded option on tour at all? That's a great question. Yeah, think of the tour. I'm trying to think. Milo would be the closest. I think that we're talking about fairly open, but but fairly wooded. But I'm saying like wooded, wooded wooded back to wooded. Like I'm talking like WR Jackson back to. Then we don't have that. No. At least I I don't think so. Bruce Ridge. I can't think of one. I'm sure, like, as we hang up and I'm lying in bed after this. No, I really want to think about it now. We don't do anything in the Carolinas. Champions Cup is only one course. So I think that's what the tour is missing. Two wooded courses. Double wooded. Double wooded. We're never going to see two wooded courses. The main reason is because you have to look at it. Spectators as well. Yeah, and I've heard this take before, but uh, obviously it's going to be different for next year. But if you think about how the tour starts and then gets into Champions Cup, think about how wild it is that we are playing all these more open courses. Yeah, we get Waco, which is half and half, uh, but we really don't get a true woods tournament. And then all of a sudden we hit the first major of the year and we're like, Dang, totally different style of disc yeah. golf, which yeah. is awesome. And I'm not knocking it, uh, but it is like, it is weird how we go open and we yeah. like have all these players okay, these people, these players are doing the best. They're getting off the hot starts. Now we're going to see a whole different, and that's what we saw with Isaac Robinson. Yeah. Uh, obviously Tatar started off good and won, mm-hmm. uh, but an MPO Isaac Robinson was playing like garbage. I'm going to say that because uh, I, he won two majors this year. I think he can handle it, uh, but he was playing very bad to start this year. Missed cash a few times was not having a great start. 
gets to Champions Cup and whoops the field like he did. Um, we didn't see that coming. I mean, maybe you did because Isaac Robinson in the woods, but you didn't see it coming how he's playing on tour this season. So it is yeah. a little odd. It is. But, I mean, two wood of courses would be so fun. I'm curious where the best I place. I, I, I could see that it. happening yeah. in like I North Carolina happen, or something yeah. like that. Uh, like, so you can sacrifice yeah. spectators for one, but even so, spectators, like, I, I don't know. I think once disc golf gets to a point where maybe it is PGA level, like like spectators wise, I, I'm not saying I don't know if it will get there, but where it's a lot, I don't think it's there yet where we have to worry too much about spectators. It's not like 20,000 people are coming to the course. It's more like 4,000, maybe. I, yeah, I, I 4,000 is a pretty good weekend, I think. Yeah. yeah. So like I, I think I think now start experimenting. I think now's the time. And if we do have like twenty thousand in a weekend, then you can start thinking more about spectators. But I think I think try out a double wooded yeah. event. I think that'd be incredible, and it would really like test. It'd be the two true disc golf test because everyone says, or a lot of people say that yeah. disc golf is. What it is in the woods and it's meant to be in the woods. At least that's well, a lot of people's takes. Someone just posted this, Steve. Thank you as well. And this is something in the IDGC post that they had made. They said they're designing two championship level courses. I mean, that's yeah, we, two wooded courses that we're going to see. Talked about that and totally forgot it. Yeah, wow. exactly. And, yeah, and, I know. We totally dropped the ball. For everyone, for everyone wondering as well, Matt Graham landed in Green Bay. So that's where he is oh, right now. He's in Green Bay. He didn't tell us that. He's been there before. I think, I think he sold it. I think he did tell he, us that. But he, yeah, yeah, that's in Wisconsin. He goes, so how many people He goes, so how many people hated my take earlier? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Matt, majority. Majority yeah, of chat. Uh, 85% hated 80, 85% versus the 15%. Um, and we've been going this long that literally Matt Graham was on the show to start it. Got on a took plane. Took off on a plane. Yeah. Landed. And now he's commenting on it. Yeah. Uh, th- we're at the two hour and 15 I think we got to keep going. I, I mean, I, yeah. I, no, <laughs> no, we're not going to keep I think going. We should hit, I think we yeah. should hit the third and final Paul Macbeth uh, foundation and fight for the forgotten yes, giveaway. We have one more giveaway. This is for a blank stamped Z jawbreaker buzz. If I'm not mistaken, let me go look at it one more time. Just signed to make sure. by Paul Macbeth. Or we didn't highlight um, that for the first two. Yeah, so that's signed by, so, signed by Paul Macbeth. It is a Z Jawbreaker buzz. That is blank, no stamp on it. So Ben is, is you Z just pick, a, pick pick whatever caller you want. All right, all right. I don't care what Everyone number it is. Everyone calling. just call in, and you I'm gonna might start. Get I'm just going to decline until I. Uh, just keep calling. Yeah, them. exactly. So, uh, I just want to say this really quick. Just, huh? uh, I was going to say, you like, you, was Z Jawbreaker that like new plastic they had at Worlds yeah. or like new to me? Yeah. That stuff was sick. Yeah. I like, I was, like I was a big fan. Yeah. I'm like kind of wishing I bought one now, but I was on a one disc limit. Uh, and I'll get you I bought a, a cool work. Ooh, actually? I got you. Yeah. I'm Ooh, going, up to, I'm going okay. up to Michigan in a couple of weeks. Oh, let's yeah. go. Okay. I, still, I think yeah, I still I'll, give like, you, I'll give you my order I, after I this. I think I think I still have like 20 or All 30. Right, I'm picking up a call. It. You're picking up a call? All right, <laughs> yep. pick it up. What happens if it's someone that's already won though? Hey, hello. Welcome hello. to the Nick and Matt show. How you doing? Good. How you doing? Good. What is what is your name? What's up? Dave. Dave. Dave, where are you from? Dave who? From Massachusetts, from Millville. Hell yeah. Mill? Dave, sick. Millville. Let's go. Millville. Right, Millville, Millville. Hell yeah, hell yeah, Dave. Millville, yeah. How long? How long you been listening to the 40, show? 40. Oh, from the beginning, guys. Dang, long time listener. OG. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Long, dude, we've been going for what three years now? Gosh, it's way too long. 
Damn. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It hey. is. It's crazy. Well, Dave, um, do you have any questions for Evan or Ben tonight? We'll throw you on the spot. Or Nick. Not just you guys. So there it is. What do you think is more important? Mm-hmm. Keypads or baskets? Like quality well, or just having them? Like what's having better? Having a better keypad or a better basket? What's more important? T-pad, in my opinion. Ooh. T-pad. It, it depends. T-pad if it's like natural yep. T-pad and, you wanna, and you're talking about upgrading it, much necessary. But I will take yes. those rubber mats thrown on the ground all day. We but, need to so, fix Buffinville. Yeah. We need to get new T-pads at Buffinville. Agreed. That's fine. That's yeah. They finally got new baskets. Yeah. They need I, new okay, T-pads I, next. I see the scenario I know, they, now. So it's an baskets. established course. They've okay. got new baskets twice. I say they've got new T-pads yeah. in 20 years. You know. I agree. But anyway, thanks, you, guys. Yeah. Oh, wait. Hold on one yeah. second, Dave. Really quick. You are the winner of the Z Jawbreaker Buzz. Awesome. So text Ben, the number that called you or you called. Text that. Get in touch with Ben. It's going to be signed by Paul Macbeth himself. We'll get you set Makes up with the Paul Macbeth me, yes. Foundation. And uh, there you go, Dave. Thank you so much for listening. Long time. Appreciate it. Yeah. And thank a guys. great question because I'm still thinking about this. I, I'll i say this. I'm going to uh, cop out of this question. If you could have a, a second set of tea pads or a second set of baskets, I go second set of baskets, baskets all day. That is the right answer. And no one can tell me it's wrong. Good place to start before oh, wait, you can do anything. Dave's still yeah. here. No, 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 no. I'm saying you have. Okay. So think about I'm <laughs> hypothetical here. You have a course, yeah. fun course. Uh, you have one set of good tea pads and one set of good baskets, 18. And now you're like, okay, we need to do something new. We already have new good tea pads. We already have new good baskets. We want to have another set. Are we going to go another set of tea pads and have two teas and oh. one basket or one tea and two baskets? I say you go one tea and two baskets. That's my point. So like pyramids, yes. Okay. Which yeah, for uh, the, the for the New Englanders, of viewers just, yeah, for New the Englanders. New Englanders that are listening yeah. right now. Well, uh, so, it just, yeah, it just think, of, think of one short layout, one long layout. That's the best reference. Yeah, I would rather go. Yeah, second second set of baskets than second set of tea pads because second set of tea pads you always have the favored tea pads that are actually cleared off and upkept, and then you have the the bad ones and baskets. I feel like they both get used pretty well, and baskets are a little bit better to stand the test of time. And with that statement, I feel like for, uh, oh my goodness, was it Dave's question? Yeah, um, Dave. That doing the tea pads is the right choice. So I, I can't do it after See, a long I'll, time of thinking. I, I don't care if I'm playing on DGA Mach 3s or like if I'm playing a casual round with friends, I don't care if I'm playing on Mach 3s or whether I'm playing on the best basket, like a Mach X or something like that, you know, Chainstar Pros, Discatchers, whatever. Um, but I do care about if I'm paying to play a course and the T-pad is just janky. I, I get annoyed with that. What's your, what so what's like your idea? What's, like broken what's your ideal like a, T-pad? It's crunched then, or hang it. What's that? Oh, you can answer both of ours. But I didn't hear Evans. What's, what's your ideal T-pad then? And then Evan said, what if the T-pad's crunched? In, no, the, in, the basket. In Ignore my oh. question. I, what, no, oh, dude, yeah, let's not get into t-pads. dumb one. Is, right. Evan, come what, on. what is your ideal T-pad? Like turf, cement, or, or, or pavement? I'm not going to The ones that Fox Run uses here and the Disc Golf Pro Tour's been talking about, it's the like elite level turf T-pads. It's a sponsorship that they have. I don't remember the exact name of it. But those are the cleanest looking tee pads, and I've heard nothing but good reviews on them. Um, so ideally, yeah, a good turf tee pad would be great. Um, after that would be just a solid concrete pad. Yeah, I think I think that's yeah. like the best, just like easiest one where it's just like just grizzled concrete. 
Sure, it'll scuff on my shoes and break them, but no. I feel good about about Concrete's planting my on least them. favorite by a mile, oh! and I understand it's situational. Oh, like the grip is good. It's just like okay, oh. disc golf is so much more to me than just like than like the best way to throw the disc. Like I, that's why like I like a wooded in general, like a wooded course better than a wide open park course because it's like it feels better to be in the woods, and a tee pad is part of that. And having like like turf tee pads, I think would be my top choice. I think my second is a nice paver tee pad because I think they look phenomenal, even though people like they get a little bit slippery when they're Dude, wet. I think they look so phenomenal. So many people. Good. That was the biggest thing people said about Concrete. MVP Maple Hill was that yeah, they need to change whiners. I, well, I okay. And, I'll I'll throw into agreement yeah, with them but, on this. The tee pads at Maple Hill when they're wet are they suck. Okay. They, they do. Uh, I, I, I think they're I heard from pads. multiple pros. Okay. I think they're beautiful tee pads. Gage was out with incredible. a blowtorch trying to blow them off. Yeah. Blow, not yeah. blow them well, off. Uh, like dry them up. Sorry. Dry them <laughs> off. The heat. Yeah. I, I actually, I want to put this challenge to Maple Hill. And like obviously the team there, Gage and the whole crew do a ton of work. So this is adding another thing to their bucket. How cool would it be if they like, had some kind of like tee pad that would wrap around their existing tee pads for a, a week or two. And it would be a turf tee pad. And it was like the MVP open turf tee pads. Cause I get year year round turf, like wears a lot quicker and it's not as good in the winter. When How you're would it wrap around? And it. Like you, you would have the box and it goes over the existing one. And then you would like, but screw a lot of them are somewhere. already on like embedded into the ground. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I didn't think about everything. <laughs> um, but I, I'm just saying like, uh, it's a big talk in like the the NFL because they're playing on artificial turf. Oh yeah, and, and Aaron got hurt. World Cup. Rogers got hurt yeah, from the turf. When uh, I mean, maybe higher chance. It's not well, like the it, it's happened multiple him. times at that but, Jets Stadium or wherever. Yeah, absolutely. Is, where one people of the least have turfs. Blown I mean, out their knees because of yeah. It. Houston used to have a really bad system where they had like pallets and whatnot and ACL tears. Uh, but for for World Cup and for when like big soccer teams come in they'll put grass over the field. And so obviously very different scenario, very different money coming in. Like I get all the differences, uh, but just think about the ideas. Hey, you're having the big tournament come in. Pavers might be the best solution for Maple Hill 51 or 50 weeks of the year. But when the MVP open comes rolling around, maybe they, they do something special that like makes the best tee pad possible for the pros. And maybe that's a bigger pro tour thought and infrastructure for the future too. So yeah. I'm just throwing out there. Daniel, I think we've, I'm not exhausted this but, episode. Wait, 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 one honest. more. Daniel from Texas said, Matteo said he wanted round tee pads. What are your thoughts on that? Okay. So, and it's funny because I've Great been says, I need to hear you guys thoughts on round tee pads though. Um, oh, I it, didn't even see that. <laughs> if, if you don't have to like step up onto the tee pad, then it doesn't matter if it's round square triangle, whatever. Like as long as you don't have to step onto, like if I don't have to jump up two inches or three inches to get onto the tee pad, I mean, I don't, I don't care what I'd say the only shape th- it is. only thing I think about with circular T pads, just the way circles are shaped, you might have more of an advantage than with just rectangle because you can step to the left or right mount more. But obviously, everyone will have the same advantage. I'm just saying, maybe it might be harder because you need a big circle. If you have a small circle, you can't really step on that. You need a big one, so it might exploit the hole more than the course designer wanted. That's the only thing I'd think would be a con yeah. of circle tee pads. You ready for this? Cause out of all the subjects we've talked today, this one I'm the most confident on <laughs> uh, the tee pad is, is meant in a specific way. It's done by the designer to be like, Hey, this is the way I want you to go. 
You don't have to go this way. You can do like, let's talk about a Simon line where he runs sideways and then throws the big uh, other shot. You can do that, but you should now have a tougher like T-pad run up to throw to. Um, so if you have a wooded hole, like think about if you have a wooded hole and there's the main lane and then you're doing some backdoor route, you can do the backdoor route. No one's stopping you unless there's like a Mando or something. It's just harder. So I don't know why we need to have our T-pads be easier for all directions when the designer sets it up in the direction for you to throw. And that's the point. If you want to go a different direction, you can just might not be easy. Sucks to suck. Like you do what you can if you want to go that route. There you go, so, Evan. I'm in agreement thanks. with you. I'm in agreement too. Let's go. That's I think that's take. it. I, I I personally I've only played maybe one course. I think Memorial um, Fountain Hills with circle T pads on them. I don't know of many other courses that I've played that have them. Um, I I think they also kind of like. There's. I think they look dumb. I, I know someone had said. Circle looks better than square in nature. I, I don't know. Like for some odd reason, I, for some so odd reason, don't, I don't. That's think the that. worst statement yeah. I've heard today. I'm sorry. In nature. Yeah. Uh, Meadowbrook hole six, which, you know, of course, we're going to the 2% of Olympic. That one's kind of from New England. like. Because it has two different uh, alleys. baskets to yeah. throw to. It's not a circle by any means, but yeah. it's a uh, non-square square quadrilateral but it's shape. put into so, two different squares sort of kind of yeah so but you effectively when you throw one way you yeah. can get a little bit extra i believe just because the way it is like yeah. it, those happen and that's for good reason i think it's cool where it is uh but yeah i wouldn't want things like that on every yeah. hole that's silly then well, cue up the music okay goodbye and then say your point ben no i was just saying he only the only reason that t-pad's uh, like that is because it's two different baskets going Which, separate ways exactly what he said yeah oh, oh. no i, I understand <laughs> I, I, i'm sorry what? i missed yeah. that i thought you were saying like you don't want every hole like yeah, that yeah. i was like every no, hole no, is no, no, no. Like i'm just that. saying it is what it is for that hole yeah. well uh matteo is entitled to his opinion everyone is entitled to their opinion yeah. and that's why less good than others that's exactly being a human Everybody, yes, thank you so absolutely. much for tuning into the show on this wonderful this Monday night. This show. is episode 158 presented by Cosmic TG. Go check them out at CosmicTG.com and all the other supports. Go check out the Paul Macbeth and Fight for the Forgotten Foundations. Link is in our bio. Go check it out. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. Check us in on all your favorite podcast platforms. USCGC and Throw Pink coming up next week. We're going to talk a lot more about that next Monday. Be sure to be here. Tell someone you love them this week. Guys, you're awesome. Nick, you're Peace. awesome. Ben, you're awesome. Uh, I, Evan? Evan. Evan. Yeah, I guess you're awesome. All right, bye. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.